on today's show. Blind. Very excited about today's guest. Blind. Golden Globe winning actress. Blind. I believe she could play anything. Blind. And star of A Quiet Place 2. And she's hot. Emily Blunt. So she's got the double whammy. Blunt. Like show business, there's hey no now. business I know. Everything about it is appealing. <laughs> Woo, come on, that's called a mashup. What Woo. I'm doing right there, Woo. people love it. I'm singing a whole different song, yet it all works. No business like show business, there's no business I know. Everything about it is inviting. See what I'm doing? That's called a mashup, everybody. You learn something new every day on this show. I'm multi-talented. I can mash up. When will that be coming out so we can that, get it? That is scheduled. That is slated for <laughs> later uh, in the summer. Actually, uh, I keep innovating. Uh, I just keep going on. I'm an entertainment machine. Hey now, everybody. Good morning. Hey now. Uh, what an exciting day. Yes, we all hey got now. together yesterday, had an exciting morning. Um, a friend of mine called me the other night and said, um, Howard, I have to ask you a question about your show. I, and I, was, I said, oh, this is probably maybe about Seth Rogen and his fabulous uh, interview. What could it be that my friend wants to know? He said, um, do you think you could ever get Handjob Connie on the show to talk to you and, and do a full interview with her? And I said, Handjob Connie. He wants the in-depth interview with Handjob Connie. <laughs> and I was feeling uh, very, very proud of myself about yesterday's show. And, you know, so many different things weaving into the tapestry of this show, juggling all the different sound effects and characters and and i went it all comes down to hand job connie doesn't it? <laughs> it is a great story ronnie told the story yesterday of course about hand job connie hand job connie uh was a woman a young girl actually when when ronnie was in high school she might i thought about it hand job connie if she's still alive is in her 70s now and who knows Whoa. she might have she might have either gone down the path of sexual uh, exploits or she might have become a nun. You just don't know what happened to her. But uh, Well, that's what everybody wants to know. What happened to him? What happened? <laughs> so I, I, I really don't know if we can track John, track John, track down Handjob Connie. Um, in fact, I would have bumped uh, Emily Blunt. You wonder how a person whose life starts out that way. Yeah. Turns out, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, what happened? <laughs> like, it's a rather dark story, but a fascinating one. Because uh, Beth said to me, who is this uh, handjob Connie? And I started explaining. She goes, oh, oh, gross, gross. You know, you know, like, she didn't want. She asked me, and then I start telling her. And as soon as she hears it's something from Ronnie's past, then she knows it's going to be yeah. insane. Close that you know? door immediately before it! everything gets out. Yeah. Ron, what are the odds of us finding Handjob Connie? In other words, I know you're not on Facebook or anything like that, <clears throat> but have you ever tried to find her? Like, you must know her last name, which I don't advise you to give out here, but right, do you, right. Do you think you I do could know, track I do her? Know her? I do know her last name. Um, I haven't seen her probably since I was 
18. Right. Uh, I have no idea what's happened to her. No clue. What if we found out she was now the head of the Federal Reserve? And is, uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, she could be in Biden's cabinet. <laughs> For those of you who didn't hear the show, Ron, uh, explain again who Handjob Connie is, if you don't mind going through it. Okay, so uh, a friend of mine, I didn't see, I didn't even know this girl at all. Um, she didn't go to our school. She she lived in a different area, not far, but a different area where, you know, she wouldn't be in our school district. But somehow, I, I don't even remember how he found this girl. But um, he told he comes to me one day and he goes, you're not going to believe this, dude. He goes, this girl, <laughs> you call her up on the phone and you tell her, uh, so-and-so recommend it, it, it was like a chain link. It went down the line of people getting her number and it would just be, you would pick up the phone, you would call her up and say, Hey, so-and-so gave me your number. And, uh, you know, I'd like to meet you. And she would tell you, you know, meet me. It's this corner at this time. And she would get in your car and you would go park around the corner somewhere where it was quiet not far from the area where you would pick her up and uh, she would get your car and she would wouldn't say wouldn't even talk she would just say hello and goodbye basically and you would take out was she good looking she she was cute she wasn't the best looking girl right but she wasn't ugly i mean she was very like very plain jane like very right. stringy blonde hair and blue eyes and stuff like that but okay I mean, if you saw her in the street, you would think hey, she's an av average girl, you know? Right, right. Dressed the part even of, you know, being like the way she was or anything. She would be in like, you know, jeans and, and just a, a T-shirt or something like that or whatever. And you would pick her up. Like I said, you would go a few blocks away to a quiet spot. And uh, I, I would always take, there was this like little, little corner street Wait, it was almost like being down in the village. It was a very quiet little narrow street. And it was behind a bunch of like, um, like these, uh, it was like stores and then there would be apartments above them. And then it would be like an alleyway street. And I was always, I always go down the alleyway street and park behind like one of the stores. And you would take out your dick. She would jerk you off. She would stare in your face as she did it. And when you would come, you would come on a hand and she brought her own tissues and everything. And, and then she would just open the door and get out of the car. Never, <laughs> never, say, never say a fucking word. She never even asked for a ride back. She just nope. got out of the car. No, nope. she would just, get, she would just get out of the car because that was the whole idea. She was close to where I guess she lived. Nobody, and that was the other thing. Nobody knew where she really lived. Right. You know, where a house was, how far it was from this spot or whatever it was where you would meet her. And it was always be the same spot where you meet her. So it had to were, be close. Were you to allowed? We, I have a couple of questions. Were you allowed to uh, touch her? No. No. Would she no. show you like titty or uh, no, like nothing. Nothing. nothing? In other words, it was all from the hand that she would stimulate you. Did she right. use any kind of lubrication or was it just no, rubbing she was, your dick? She was, no, she was, she was good, man. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, at eight, 17, 18 years old, man, it didn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> whether she was take much. Or not, you, you know, you just somebody was touching your dick. You didn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, how many times? Good hand eye coordination. Hey, how many times did you actually see her? Probably 
It wasn't a lot, maybe five or six times, and then and then she then she disappeared. It was like no, you know, nobody can get in touch with her anymore. Either that, or um, and you know, there there were really there wasn't cell phones, so I guess she would call in her house. At, well, maybe, you know, maybe is it possible she was killed? Like seriously, I mean. What a dangerous thing to, to get into strange guys' cars and give them hand yeah. jobs. You, you know, and word was getting around. You know, call me selfish, but whenever I hear that story, I'd be like, your friend was really nice to give you the number. I would be like, fuck this. I don't want her to get burned out. Like, I just want this number for myself. And I remember me in high school. I would have called her every other day. I mean, I could have used yeah. the hand job. You <laughs> know what you I know mean? What? It, she, wouldn't always, she wouldn't always be ready to do it. Like, you could mm. call her sometimes and she would just go... You know, not not today. You know, and that, and that she'd hang up the phone, and that was it. Wow! And then you would you would try again, and, and you some days you would luck out. You know, right? Wow, wow! I wonder what that what a psychiatrist would say about that. Like, she got in the car and jerked off strangers, right. and then left, and then and and never said a word. No, and like what was well, she would it, say was like it? hi, and she you know it would be like. She she was very strange. She had this like blank look on her face all the time. Very you know, it was crazy. Very plain Jane never, with I'll a face full of cum. It. What is that puppet? Faint, plain Jane face with a face full of cum. <laughs> did, did, did anybody ever try to go further with her? Like, did any of your friends or you ever try to like like maybe start she a relationship? She wouldn't let you, man. She wouldn't let you touch her. Uh, you, you you couldn't even talk to her. Because she would, she would really like be. I'm telling you, it was weird. She would. But did anyone have this blank stare on her face? You know. Do you, do, is it possible she had a um, like she was slow, like a slow adult? Like um, she didn't seem either. that way, not at all. Because mm. when you talked to her on the phone, she seemed fine. Right. Did, did anyone try to see her when you would see her in person? Though she wouldn't talk. You couldn't well, talk hmm. to her, like you, you know. You you would. I mean, I don't remember. It was a long time ago, but. I'm sure we try to like say, "Hey, you want to go out one night or something like that," you know. And she would never, she wouldn't answer, she wouldn't talk, and and and, and she never charged for it. In other words, nope. it was never nope. like a hooker. Nope. Wow. Nope. Mm-mm. Fascinating story. I mean, it, yeah, it, it was it was wild. I'm trying to get great. a hold of her, so I want to option this. And for she a was film. your age, your age. Yeah, yeah. Maybe she was a year younger, but yeah, she wasn't like uh, you know, like. 13 or something she she was like no i mean you know. she wasn't an older woman either she was no, like a no kid no like no you. no yeah yep i'm picturing for the film uh like when jodie foster was now that type of look right. uh <laughs> you know getting into ronnie's car yeah it was crazy you know. it was really crazy and, I, and when my friend told me about it i didn't freaking believe it <laughs> you, yeah, know, you probably thought like, you were being set up you know like like hey this thing this is a goof yeah right or was some some really weirdo or something, you know? Well, she was weird, but like, I mean, you could you could look at her and you wouldn't you know you wouldn't run away, you know. Basically, if you saw her on the street and, and or you were in a bar and you know you sat was sitting next to her and she said, "Could you buy me a drink?" You would buy her a drink. She wasn't ugly, you know. Did you um? Did you know? Did she did she know her name was Handjob Connie? Or do you, or you guys kept that quiet? We we kept that quiet, right? What do you think of Emma Stone as Handjob Connie? I could see her <laughs> handling this. Awesome. I was thinking Scarlett Johansson. She's got a nice set of knockers. 
Yeah. Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> oh, you guys are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, you guys I, are thinking I, overtime. I, yeah, really. No, you need you need like a a, a plain Jane looking actress. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever think you were like falling for her a little bit? Like one day it would be Ronnie and Connie Mund. No, 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 no. I had a girlfriend, so I didn't, you know. And funny right. part was my girlfriend lived near that area. Mm-hmm. So you could have gotten caught. <laughs> yeah, I could, yeah, I guess I could have gotten caught. <laughs> Love triangle. That, you know, yeah. back then, who cares? What were you doing with handjob, Connie? <laughs> was it a great handjob? We were uh, She was good. She was real good, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Well, I, I, you know, at, at 17, like I said, 17, 18, it's like, you know, anybody touches your dick, who cares? I got to tell you, <laughs> I mean, I would have died for a handjob, Connie. And I was like that age. I mean, you I could have really a hand job, Connie. I, that's the sad thing about me. I would have been I would have fallen in love with handjob, Connie, because I would be like, oh, my God, I think I'm in love because yeah. anyone I met, I was in love with anybody who would have me. I would be in love with. I was so desperate for any kind of love. And um, I wasn't used to anyone being kind to me or, you know, like that. So if somebody would have been nice enough to. Uh, let me call them and then give me a hand job. I think I might have I might have actually attempted to uh, excuse me. Uh, maybe we have uh, something going on here. Let's go out on a date. Yeah, would have ruined everything. You, you got, got further this, into got, the re- what? Go ahead, Rob. When you get further into the relationship, Howard, you know, like you're looking around a room at a party and you're wondering know. how many guys she's. I know everyone's off. like, "Hey, there's hand job Connie," and I'm like, <laughs> "Wait, man, fuck you. It's my girlfriend." Yeah, it didn't you married like her, she, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, dude, it, it wouldn't. It didn't seem like she was the kind of at that time, like the kind of girl who got involved with anybody. She right. was very, very strange. You could tell, like that. Like she was very into herself type thing. I well, you never said to her. Wonder how you, it all started. The origin story. Yeah. You know, uh, she was hit by lightning, I believe. Because <laughs> it's such a weird act to give someone a hand job and then, like, not even be involved. I mean, and me at that age, like, when she touched my zipper, I would have come. I don't even think she <laughs> we would have gotten as far as the hand job. I, I probably would have well, just jacked off of my pants. It didn't take long, believe me. It, it, I bet. You know, yeah, it didn't take long. It was very and quick. She, and she I would wonder, just, like I said, she would just get out of the car and walk away. Nothing. Got out of my Model T and walked down the street. No, you know what I mean about your friend, your friend who my six, your friend my sixty nine Roadrunner. <laughs> your, your friend who gave you the number, right? What what a, what a nice guy because I would have been possessive of that number and her hand jobs. You know, like I wouldn't have shared it. I know that about myself. Yeah. Like well, I wouldn't this, have said, this, "Hey, Ronnie, go get a hand job." I used to hang out with this guy a lot, and we we used to come across some re- very weird situations because we both had just gotten our driver's license and. uh we used to go out at night and like cruise areas, like where girls would hang out, you know? Yeah, and put them in the night- trunk of your car. No, 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 no. Yeah. One night, one night. You got we, the duct uh, tape? We went out in his car. <laughs> we went out in his car one night and we were in um, just past Elmont on Hempstead Turnpike. Sure. And it, a bunch of girls would hang out near this diner, in, like hey, by hey. the parking lot. And in this, it was the summertime. We'd go out and we'd just, you know, cruise the, the avenue, whatever you want to call it, the boulevard. We called it the Vagina Mile. And we found, we pick up, we pick up these two girls at this diner. 
at the parking lot, and we're talking to them, and we're yakking with them and stuff. And we made a date with them, and we picked them up like Friday night, and we went to a. It was still driving movies. We went to the Westbury Drive-in, <laughs> and uh, we're, we're all in the same car. So you know, we're watching the movie, and then we're making out with these chicks and stuff like that. And then he decides, I guess he was going to go a little further with this girl, and he brought a sheet with him, <laughs> and he hung, he hung, he hung it up. He hung it up between the front seat and the back seat. He brought <laughs> a little house. Like, oh my god, like, he was ready. <laughs> he, he was like, uh, he had like it was like tape. He had duct tape, like duct tape. And, <laughs> ah, and he, made, he made he put up. He made like a partition. He, he put That's up right. Seat. You had separate rooms. <laughs> yeah, we had. It was like a limo. Rooms. Was like I a couldn't limo. see the fucking. I couldn't see the fucking movie though. I was in the back seat and I couldn't see the movie. I could, I could only hear it. Wow. Did you lose touch with that guy? You know what? The funny thing is, uh, he direct messaged me about three months ago, four months ago. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter. And we, t and he gave me his phone number when we talked. <laughs> we talked oh, about yeah. old times and shit. It was funny. Movie time, Mike. You know, yeah, you had some. Is, yeah, his name is Mike. Yeah, his I name is you. Mike. You know, it's funny. <laughs> the puppet's becoming you. I, you know, it's yeah. funny because you had some really good experiences. I just remember really bad experiences like that. Like, I remember in high school, I was with this guy, and we had learned about a party line. It, back, back when I was in high school, there was this weird thing happening. You could dial certain phone numbers, and tons of kids would just be on there. This right. was before the Internet or anything. So you'd go right. on and like you'd hear a girl's voice and all the guys would be going, hey, hey, talk to me. Here's my number. <laughs> Call me privately. Call me privately. That, it was nuts. It was like it was like um, Lord of the Flies. You a tried to get frenzy. <laughs> yeah. So I remember I was at this guy's house and we got a girl to call us privately. And we're on there and we're screaming or or whatever. And we're like. Hey, hey, how many girls are there? Two girls. Okay. We're two guys. Meanwhile, we're two douchebags. And <laughs> we told them to meet us behind the high school, Southside High School. And, and, like, they go, well, we can't get there till midnight. We didn't care. We were like, okay, we can do it. <laughs> we'll be there at midnight behind the high school. And these girls are like, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to hang with you guys and blah, 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 blah. And we stayed up, man. And then we go down, we wait and we go down to the high school at midnight. We're there. We're hanging out back there. Nothing's happening. It's pitch black. It's fucking illegal, I think, to even be at the school grounds. And we're waiting, waiting. Finally, car pulls up. Bunch of dudes get out to beat the shit out of us. <laughs> <laughs> and we go running. Oh, we ran terrible. our asses off because they were going to kick our fucking ass. Oh, that's so and, funny. Oh, my God. Yeah, but like you, you, you know, you. They him, but, really like, scored, but he showed up and he saw girls. He didn't know. like getting them over a phone. Yeah, yeah, well, well we, I, we I figured we if would, they didn't see me, it would be better. Like, they just surprise them with my looks. We, I don't know what made would, me think that girls in real life who saw me every day didn't want me. Why would I think the girls on the phone would want me when they saw me? I mean, I never thought it through completely. But, you know, and you're lucky Handjob Connie could have ended up being a, a knife-wielding maniac. You don't yeah, know, right, you know. Right, right, right. But you know what? But she it was, had references. You know, he had a friend yeah, who referred. We had friends, yeah. And the other <laughs> thing was, it would be only in the daytime. She wouldn't come. You would. She would not come out at night. Wow. It would have to be daytime, daylight. Yeah, she was probably scared because she's probably she had like a man. Sitting job. No, she used. Uh, my opinion of it was, 
she was just a weirdo and <laughs> she wanted she wanted to see if you go out at night now you got to turn lights on in a car or something right this girl wanted to see your dick this is what it right. was she she would stare at it and she would stare in your face like with this blank stare it, it was almost really like scary, to be honest with you. And what she, when you would, when you would, when you would come, forget about it. She would just stare at it as it was coming out. It was, wow. it was the weirdest thing. It was really weird. Did you was, ever share? Did, <laughs> did you ever share her number with anyone? Like, did you pass it on, or were you like, "Fuck this, I'm keeping this"? No, to no, myself. no, no. We kept we kept it among about four or five different people. I don't know who ever, else had it. Uh, maybe there were other people, you know, with other groups of people. Right, right. Yeah. But in our group of people that had the numbers, it was only like four or five guys. And, and uh, you know, what a great ending to the story. If she It ended up she became a urologist. Like, she became a world-renowned, <laughs> you know, right? of her study of penis. But uh, who knows? Or, or a butter churner. <laughs> wow. Here is uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, who says he knows what happens to he knows oh. what happened to Handjob Connie. He yes, Senator. Handjob Connie. Hello, yes, Senator. I, I work with Handjob Connie. She's a fellow senator. She gives handjobs to everybody here. She's huge on Capitol Hill. <laughs> she represents the district of Rub and Tug. You know, Ted <laughs> Kennedy used to blow the biggest load you've ever seen. Wow! If Connie well, only gives handjobs to the top one percent, that equals. 88% of all the jizz in the U.S. Senate. All right. Thank you, Bernie, Bernie Sanders says uh, she's in the United States Senate. No, I really want to find out. Ron, maybe give the last name to the research team, and we'll contact okay. her discreetly and say, listen, uh, Ronnie remembers Let's you. Let's hope and... we can contact her. I mean, yeah, we'll try. That I would a love long to. time ago. Honestly, I could use a hand job. But, you know, uh, what, what, you know, she could be Elon Musk's mother. You know, it would be. You don't know if it was like because <laughs> if she was around Ronnie's age, she'd be in her seventies now. Hand job, yeah, 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 she had to be. Yeah, she's got to be at least probably sixty nine, seventy for sure. I, I told Beth have that, arthritis. I to, I um. Oh, let's hope not. I I. Oh yeah, I, like her hand doesn't work anymore. Carpal tunnel. <laughs> right, she might have carpal tunnel. <laughs> now, I was telling Beth the story. She goes, and she did it for money, right? I go, no, she just wanted to jerk guys. And she, but yeah. she couldn't wrap her head around. It. She didn't want to hear about it. Uh, Karen, you're on the air in New Hampshire. Hi, good morning, Howard. Hey, now, um, the reason why I'm calling, um, I don't blame Ronnie. Obviously, I mean, he was a, he was a teenage boy, but something clearly was wrong with Connie. The poor thing. I mean, she had to. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was probably abused in an abusive, you know, maybe a family member was abusing her or something. I'm what sure that Handjob girl. Connie had a very healthy uh, family life. I'm, I'm, I'm positive about it. A fine family. <laughs> I think you're wrong, Karen. I think you've got it all backwards. I think that she was like from a super together family. Her father nurtured her and gave her a lot of love. And, and she wasn't looking for men and penis because uh, she probably had excellent role models. <laughs> Yeah, Ronnie keeps calling her a weirdo. That's it. Just seems so mean. I mean, it, it, at his I call, age, I didn't if, call if he her was, a weirdo. I just said it was. She yes, was very did. strange. I yeah. said she's it, very she strange. Karen, we're trying to get the story. Don't event. be so analytical. Okay, okay. thank <laughs> you. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry I, I insulted remember. you. 
Is your it's name really seven, Connie? <laughs> it's a seventeen-year-old boy. He's not right. doing a psychoanalysis of why this girl's getting into his car to jerk him off. Ronnie's a seventy-year-old man, and he's not doing psychoanalysis. <laughs> if anybody who gets in his car and gives him a hand job, he's just like, "I'm getting a hand job. I don't need yeah, to know your backstory." He doesn't look at the ramifications that this girl <clears throat> must be living a, living a miserable life. And by the way, it's okay to say somebody was weird. We're not insulting her. She's not here. Let's go to Bob. The whole idea is weird. Bob in New York just gets into your car. Well, hey, we thought, we, thought, we thought Robin, maybe. Robin, maybe you could learn a thing or two and get in my car. <laughs> yes, Bob. Hey, now, how are you there? Hey, this chick was definitely on the spectrum. There's no doubt about it. I can't <laughs> understand how Ronnie could do that. It has oh. to be. I mean, Asperger's minimum, definitely definitely on the spectrum. Ron, I mean, I was as horny as the next guy at 14, 15 years old. I don't think I could handle that. There's no freaking way. No way. Yeah, I know what you the mean. Girl, Sometimes the girl acted normal, except for not talking to you, okay? It wasn't like she... <laughs> and staring she at sign language while you came. Well, but you she, know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of that scene in The Godfather, where if you brought this girl a cupcake or a cannoli, she'd right. let you have sex with her. I mean, <laughs> yeah. so what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, really? Uh, Who's going to turn it down? <laughs> yeah, like this guy would have turned it down. Who's he, yeah. he kidding? Right. Right, nobody would turn that down, Ronnie. Oh, God! We, what we, a the story. best part when once we got um we, when we had our cars, the, the back the thing back then was CB radio, and we put CB radios in our cars. And we used to meet girls <laughs> like crazy. It was nuts. Ronnie lived a whole other. Ronnie lived a whole other sort of life than me. Like I wasn't into cars. I wasn't into CB radio. See, I wasn't the card. Why Ronnie loves the car? The right. car is equivalent to pussy with it. Right. So it's what happened, Ron? Bedroom. Did, did you get a lot of pussy off the CB radio? We used to pick up. No, it was pretty cool because actually we would we actually would pick up girls off the CB radio. Like you would talk to them, and then you know you would set up a thing to go meet them and stuff like that, and it was kind of cool, but. Sometimes you would be pretty disappointed, but uh, the girls that were on CB radio, a few times we hit good, but uh, most of the time it was girls that, you know, had nothing else did to you, do except did you ever radio. get Did you ever get catfished like a guy gets in the car? Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, no, 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 no. Because the, the, we had to, we were on this, um, we were always on this channel, Channel One, and we had this club, like the Channel One Club. And it was, we knew all the people pretty much after a while who was on there. And it, it, we never, no, we never, nothing like that ever happened. God, you know, uh, getting laid back then was like pulling off a heist. I mean, you had to get on the <laughs> CB radio, you had to get in the club. You, you had, had to I have mean, it was fun, dude. In order yeah. to get it laid. Fun. Yeah. Did you ever fuck any of these girls from the CB radio? I, uh, I'd never, I didn't fuck this one. Uh, I met her one night. <laughs> I met her one night behind her house. Yeah, it was like a little. It was, <laughs> it's always not in a house. It's behind yeah. a house. It's well, yeah. a house. It was, it was <laughs> night. I, I met. I met her behind her house. It was like a garden apartment development, and they had these little parks in the back where they had swings and shit and benches. And I met her. It was in the summertime. I met her one night back there, and, and we were making out, and you know, little little hand play with you know tits and and pussy, but never fucked her though. No. Oh, she blew me in the sandbox. <laughs> <laughs> by, the, by the name, I think her name was Fuckface Fifi. <laughs> 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 Break a 
Baker is ass crack Annie out there. No? How about fit fuck Trudy? Put your friend. Put your friend, maybe? You out there? Huh? Cunt stop Claire? Over. Oh, man. Over. Used to, meet, used to meet a lot of people on it, though. Rim job, brother? That's how I met my friend Shitbox Richie. Remember Shitbox Richie? Yeah. Rest in peace. Shitbox Richie, Pervy Pete. I met him on CB Radio. His father owned um, like one of these private cab companies, right. and he used to dispatch the cabs at night. And uh, he would be. Oh, he was on like there Danny DeVito on... in Taxi, right? And he yeah. he would be on there dispatching the taxis, and he would he would come on to our channel and, and start talking to us when he wasn't busy. And that's how I, I met him on CB Radio. Oh, no shit. He was a good guy. Made yeah. lifelong friends. No, well, yeah, I remember. He, <laughs> you know, he's dead, but uh, I knew him, yeah. too, because he, but his his claim to fame was when he was driving a limo, he, he shit in a box. He, <laughs> he picked up some rabbi, right? The guy was a yeah. rabbi. He, he had a yeah, pickup for a rabbi. He picked up a rabbi at the airport. And it was he, fucked he up. Had, he, he had to drive him to Brooklyn to Williamsburg. And the guy went, you know, into his house and he, he was changing his clothes or whatever, and he had, Richie had to drive him somewhere else into the city afterwards. So he had to wait for him outside, and he got this attack. He had to take a shit, like, really bad, and he had a box in the trunk. Of, no, like, you're forgetting a part. You're forgetting the what? big part of it. What? Richie rings the doorbell for the rabbi, and he says, excuse me, uh, rabbi, I, 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 have to go to the, I have to go to the bathroom. Can I use your bathroom? Rabbi tells him no. Uh, because oh, yeah, right, just, right, yeah, I remember that? that part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and Richie's like, this guy's a religious guy, and he won't even nice let me use his guy, bathroom. Yeah. Right. So, the, so, so, he, so, so, so Richie goes back to the car, grabs this box he carries for emergencies, and he shits in the box, right, Ron? Yeah, what, he, he had the box, he had box was filled with shit, like uh, uh, maps that he needed and stuff like that. It was like a, a box that he would keep stuff in, but he took the shit and he threw it out all over the trunk. And he took the box in the back of the limo and shit in the box. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then the, the, whole, the, the whole fucking car stunk. But you're forgetting I, a part. You're forgetting a big part of it. So Richie's well, shitting in the box. You, you remember everything, man. I don't remember. Yeah, because the guy's dead. Shit. If I don't remember, his whole legacy is gone. <laughs> you got It's an important part of the story. So Richie's shitting in the box, and all of a sudden the rabbi starts banging on the glass to get in the car. Oh, no. <laughs> and Richie has to rush his shit. And then Richie realized the car stinks, so Richie gets out the other side of the door. He flings the shit out, and he knows the car. And the rabbi gets in with the, sh the, the shit smell in the car from, from uh, Shitbox Richie. That was the big story. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Well, it serves the rabbi right. Yeah, he wasn't very rab rabbinical, not letting <laughs> the guy, you know, use his bathroom. Yeah. 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 But, uh... Good times, wow. good times. <laughs> good times. So, Ron, what Ronnie's saying in high school, he had a whole underground network of pussy. Like, uh, he had Handjob Connie. But anyway. Yeah. Ass to mouth Amanda. Tit fuck Tanya. <laughs> stinky snitch Sarah. Uh, who, who else was that? Oh, giant clit Gina. Yeah, I liked her. <laughs> but, you know. Uh, we're going to try, I mean, we'll try and get in touch with Handjob Connie. Wouldn't you like to know what happened to her, Ron? Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, we could pr we'll probably get one of our private eyes on that. See if we can find well, her. what if we do find out she's on the spectrum? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like, what if it's Wendy? Right. 
Well, what what do I know from that back then? You know, right. she seemed normal. <laughs> she she could walk and she could get into my car. That's right. She could walk, yeah. Howard. <laughs> and she could, could jerk. She could jerk me off good. So what? You know, who knew? If we find out she's on the spectrum, we might have to arrest Ronnie and just throw him in jail. That's too much, man. That's just yeah, the greatest. Fun. All right, we'll try and fun, find her. So find fun times, man. Okay, answer my friend's question. Do we know where Handjob Connie is? No. Will we try to find her? Yes. So stay tuned. We're on it. Ronnie and our whole staff will be assigned to find Handjob Connie. And with a little bit of luck, we'll be able to uh, get her. By the way, on a side note, I want to actually uh, tell people what Ronnie's been up to. He's been using Scott Schmier and the Hypnotist's audio tapes, and he says they've changed his life. So there you go. Oh, really? for Scott Schmierin. Dude, that stuff is awesome. What's going on with all that? Can you fill me in? Yeah. Um, so I, I work with, uh, I talk with Scott a couple of times, you know, uh, after after I did my hypnotism on the show. And we talked about, you know, when I get uh, a lot of anxiety with a lot of stuff going on and stuff like that. And um, he, ma he made these tapes for me, um, like relaxation tapes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I go, you know, he told me exactly how to do it, you know, be in a quiet room where it's dark mostly, uh, no, but no sounds, nice and quiet. And I, I put in the earbuds and I turn on the thing there. The tapes are about 30 minutes long. And by the time I'm done with it, I pass out before I get to the end of the tape. It's almost like meditation, I guess, because I know that's do you, you pass Do you out. put it, in other words, do you uh, put it on at night with like earbuds so that Stephanie doesn't no. hear it? And then, oh. No, no, most of the time I do it like um, probably in the afternoon. Okay. Uh, sometimes I'll do, if I'm really fucked up in the head, I'll do it twice, like probably in the morning sometime, like later in the morning and then like around five, six o'clock. And then I'm like mellowed out for the rest of the night, which is good. And I'm able, able to go to sleep with no problem. That's wow. the other thing. Well, what That's is great. getting you so upset? It's all the moving stuff and everything? Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of stuff, you know, just, the you know. A lot of pressure. Pandemic, that, you know? everything. You're feeling pressure. Yeah, and just and everything. So you, you know? So I, I'm telling you how great it works. Like, it changes my whole, like, even Stephanie, if you talk to her, she can't believe, like, like uh, normally about certain, something I would get really upset about, I'll start screaming about it. You know, just now it's just like, okay, you know, I'll deal with it, and that's the way it's going to be. And, you know, if I, even if, like, uh, something with her, if I get angry with something that she did or something she said, or we, we were going to have an argument, we don't argue anymore. It's just like, okay, you know, let's talk about it and, and figure it out. You know, so it's, it's, it's really been working great for me, especially with the sleep, man. Stephanie like, says, let Ronnie, me ask you something. So but Robin, Stephanie do... says, Ronnie, listen to this for a second. Stephanie okay. says, Ronnie is more caring and loving to her since he started listening to the tapes. Wow. Right. Yeah. Right. I wonder what he's saying on those tapes that Scott Schmarin. But I don't anyway, know. I'm saying no, to no. myself, <laughs> what do you, mean? you know, how Ronnie, whenever Ronnie and Stephanie try to do something together, like hang the Christmas lights or decorate for Christmas, they get into a fight. So you feel that now you two wouldn't even have that problem. Probably not. No, because we have, we haven't, we don't fight. That's the whole thing. I mean, we, we, wow. we, 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 
Well, Dude, I don't we, mean that you fought, Robin, fought. We fought. We mean when, I mean that you would irritate each other and you'd you'd start calling each other names and stuff yeah, like but that. that. It was that was all. I mean, it wasn't like very serious. Like, I mean, we goof around a lot. <laughs> it sounded serious to me. Oh yeah, I know. Everybody thought it was. Who serious. Uh, who relaxed you more, Handjob Connie or Scott Schmarin? Scott Schmarin. Scott Schmarin. Handjob Schmarin. Yeah. Handjob Schmarin. He relaxed well, me the best. All I know is Handjob Schmarin made uh, Ronnie behave like a human being, which is uh, oh, really the, guy, the guy's pretty remarkable. I'll tell you that. Yes, Mike, That's you're on the air. Incredible! What an ad for his no, services. It's great. I love Mike. It. You're on the air with uh, uh, Handjob Ronnie. Right. <laughs> hey now, How's hey now. Doing? All right. Hey, I got a question, and it was going to actually for Howard and Ronnie, and it kind of goes to what you guys are talking about. But I was going to ask Howard, do you miss your time one on one with Ronnie in the car? And Ronnie, same question to you. And maybe you know, who knows? Howard was kind of, you know, the conversations you would have. It was almost like he was your therapist, sort of speak, getting all that out. So I just want to ask if you guys missed. Here's that. the reality: I, mean, uh, I, I do like Ronnie very much. So let me make, let me make that clear. Um, you know, and I always enjoyed when Ronnie and I would have a couple of conversations because it was as entertaining as what you just heard. I mean, Ronnie would tell me <laughs> stories about what was going on with his life or his, it's just very ronnie's a good storyteller and the stories are more bizarre the ones i can't tell on the air are even more bizarre <laughs> than what you're hearing here on the air yeah it's you know. deep throat debbie <laughs> right i won't talk about deep throat debbie but anyway thank you no but ronnie and i've had a long history and i know ronnie a long time and i really do enjoy ronnie i do not you know miss the part of ronnie who when he gets angry and he's bouncing me around in the limo as he screams at people in traffic <laughs> you know i that maybe part, that and, would be all gone now well maybe gone. with scott schmarin <laughs> with handjob schmarin <laughs> but uh i mean i don't miss the uh commuting in other words Getting in the car, having to deal with uh, getting in the building. You know what I mean, Ronnie? The whole day-to-day -day routine. Yeah, yeah. I don't, Dude, I don't, I don't think I, don't... I could do it anymore, to be honest with you. Is that right? Because you're so I out of practice. I, I don't think I could. I don't think I could deal with the traffic in the city anymore. I mean, now, I know it's not as bad right now. Right. Uh, but if it ever got back to normal, the way I, I, I don't think I could deal with it. I really don't. Your heart's, your heart's not in it. it. Yeah. yeah, and I'm not. I've been away for, from it so long. You know, that I got so used to not being in that craziness and the hustle and the bustle and the running and, and got to be there at this certain time. And you got you got to be here and you got to be there, you know, and, and you know, it's I don't miss it. I really yeah, Ronnie, Ronnie was it. Ronnie was very conscientious at his job. So what that meant is I don't, I don't think I can recall a time that Ronnie was ever late. Uh, he took his job very seriously, and really driving in the city is, as as anyone who's lived in New York City can tell you, is very harrowing. I don't care how great a driver you are, it, it is so fucking difficult to navigate some of those streets and the people's attitudes, and you know, uh, banging on the car because you're you know you're driving the wrong way, and then there's ticketing, and it's just it's just a nightmare. So I know I don't miss that aspect of of uh, my relationship with Ronnie. And I don't miss, you know, getting in the car. And I think about all the hours of my life I spent in the car trying to get from one place to another. And then when I was doing AGT and the radio show, and then I'd have meetings and this and that, Ronnie and I would spend the whole day driving around in the city. So, all day yeah, and I don't all miss night. <laughs> all day and all night. Right. And so, yeah, I don't I don't miss that so much. But I do miss hanging out with Ronnie. It was it was pleasant and it was funny to 
uh, have stories. And I, and I, I feel close to Ronnie. I do. I feel like, you know, we know each other, what, 30-something years? Yeah, 35 uh, years. Yeah, I, I always enjoyed talking with Ronnie and uh, checking in with him. So, yeah, I, I miss that aspect of it. I do. Yeah, I, I, I miss it also. Um, but, you know, we do keep in touch and we do talk off the air on the right. phone now. Yep. Uh, yep. unlike Robin, who doesn't return a phone call. I'm still, I'm looking at um, you going, I need to return his phone call. I really am. I'm, I'm working mean, on it. You mean hand job, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> See, in the beginning, in the beginning of the pandemics, uh, she would, uh, she would an even actually answer the phone. Right. Now, as, as it went along, as it went along, you now leave her I would call you back. This is the first time I haven't called back. And she Stop would it. call you back maybe a day or two later. Listen. But, uh, now, now it's like, uh, fuck you, I ain't calling him back. No, I'm not it's making... not a fuck you. I look every, I don't even erase your message because I want to keep re being reminded I need to call oh, okay. you. Gotcha. It's been months I'm going to tell you something. A fucking asshole. You want to hear you. somebody with a complaint, talk to Ralph. He never gets any attention. <laughs> yeah, I want to I want to say something. I, as someone who does speak to Robin on the phone, I'm one of the few who is granted that privilege. <laughs> I got to tell you, Ronnie, I don't I wouldn't take it personally. What she she is so busy. I can't I, it's personal, but I can't tell you with what, but she's such a mogul now. <laughs> she is so busy that there is absolutely no time in her day for nonsense, like uh, personal phone conversations. I'm telling you. Well, again, it's like I yeah. got so busy in the pandemic and then this reopening, like now you're trying to fit in going someplace occasionally. <laughs> it's taken yeah. up all my time. <laughs> yeah, she's very, very busy. She's constantly busy. But uh, okay. anyway, gotcha. listen. All right. So the point I'm making this morning with peace and love, we're going to for those of you who want to hear about uh, this uh Hand job, uh, Connie. We're going to try and track her down. By the way, I think while there's I still... a movie in this. If we find, <laughs> oh, there definitely is a movie. Um, yeah. What if like she? What if it turns out? Play her. What if it turns out she's like now? You know, running. Uh, you know, she changed her name and she's running a big company. Netflix. You know, I mean, Netflix. What if she's running? Yes, yeah, Netflix. She's Netflix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Connie Sarandos. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Ted doesn't know his wife was handjob Connie? <laughs> oh, she definitely was not handjob Connie. Uh, please, don't even I suggest know, that. I'm only Lovely teasing. woman. Lovely woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just joking. I was just kidding. Yeah, no, 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 no. We don't want to even, we don't even want to joke about that. No, hey, no, um, no. I'm just imagining. While I'm here with Ronnie, um, here, just so you know, Ronnie, the uh, other day we did play, as long as I got him here, the other day we did play a tape of uh, Ronnie doing, uh, by the way, what a job you did. Uh, dry Lisa was dry. Her vagina was dry. <laughs> First of all, Ronnie, I was shocked how Dry Lisa was a good looking woman. You know, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I saw her, she's a good looking woman. Yeah, I saw the and, picture. I saw the picture. Yeah, I was shocked. And uh, I didn't know what I expected, but. Anyway, Dry Lisa has a husband. She's very dry in the vagina. She says uh, she's completely dried up. And then she said, I bet Ronnie could get me wet. Ronnie, of course, got on the phone with her in a very graphic way. And, uh, in fact, got Dry Lisa to be wet Lisa, right? You got her wet. And, uh, yeah, she and, was and, you know, you, people only heard, like, you know, small parts of that conversation. I mean, that, that phone conversation went on for over an hour. Wow. It, it, was, it was crazy. 
I might need to hear more of that. But uh, Ronnie uh, was able to hydrate Dry Lisa, <laughs> and uh, we did we did get fan feedback. Dry Lisa, oh, this was terrible. Dry Lisa should be ashamed of herself, fawning over Ronnie with a husband at home. Got a point there. She should either do her best to have sex with her husband or let him go. As for Ronnie, I'm sorry, but he was cheating on Stephanie in that call. <laughs> Dirty talk to the point of pre-coming in his underpants is over the line. <laughs> Shame. <laughs> Did you get any uh, blowback from Stephanie? Was she upset with your intimate conversation with Dry well, Lisa? I don't think she, know she knows I was doing that. She knew I mm -hmm. was going to do the phone call with Lisa. But I don't know if she knows the extent it went to. Right. Well, you better oh. pray she, she doesn't never find out. She never asked me. She never asked me about it. And, uh, you know, I would tell her. You know. Wow. Well, there you go. All right. There's an I mean, update you know, I on didn't, I didn't, I, you, know, you know. You didn't I'm, feel yeah. you were cheating. No. 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 I was doing, you know, I was, I was doing stuff for the show. No. You know. Well, let me Stephanie ask you. I felt, only no, I, feel, no and I, felt, I felt bad for, you know, I feel bad for her. That she she can't get off, you know. You or know what? She doesn't Ron? want to get off. I don't know what her deal is. To be honest with you, I didn't put much credibility in this letter. I was like, hey, why is this guy busting Ronnie's balls? But now I'm thinking about it. If Stephanie was on the show and had phone sex, graphic phone sex for over an hour with one of our male listeners, you would probably be upset, right? Yeah, probably. Right. I didn't yeah, think of probably. that. She should only squirt for me. And you know what? The mean, funny when part. I, I, I listened. Could, to the clips we played, I was like, "This is this is getting a little on over the edge here." Wow, you know? I didn't. Oh, you I should didn't listen to the whole phone. You should listen <laughs> to the whole hour and fifteen minutes. <laughs> it ain't cheating; wow. it's charity. Well, yeah, it was uh, a, tell it was Stephanie. A long call. Tell Stephanie we have a listener named Soft Bob. He can't get hard, <laughs> and she needs to get him hard and see how that goes. <laughs> Well, there you go. So there was some controversy with dry Lisa, now hydrated Lisa. Uh, Ronnie I'm did a curious, great job. I'm curious. Here's what I'm curious of. What? Does her husband know about this? Right. Right. I don't see dry Lisa on the phone, unfortunately, so we can't, we can't get can't him get on there. get an update. Yeah. Mm. Well, it seems like Wolfie's got some kind of uh, uh, constant, you know, thing with her that he talks to her so maybe he could find out all right well we'll look into that we got a lot to look into we're going to try and find handjob connie um somebody suggested to me that uh she changed her name and became elizabeth warren and then became a united states <laughs> senator but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i think they were that joking. would be the greatest <laughs> wouldn't that be great handjob connie made something of her life um yeah all right, so we're going to look into all that. By the way, if I may continue with long, uh, yes, okay, thank you, Ron. Right, if man. I may, thank you. If I if I may continue with some of the fans writing in, and I thought I was glad to see this. On Monday, show Robin described some of her friends who were still hesitant about the, getting the COVID nineteen vaccination. The fans think Robin needs new friends. That's exactly what I said. Uh, I don't know well, how those, friends. Those people are. Uh, it's really like a thinning of the herd going yep. on around here. I can't believe Robin has friends who believe in witches and potions, but not vaccinations. It's time to reconsider who your no, friends are, Robin. No, all those people got vaccines. The witches are vaccinated. Robin's <laughs> friends will put coffee up their ass, but they're afraid of putting a vaccine into their body. And these Tell aren't Robin, the coffee people either. Tell Robin to stay away from these so-called friends. We need our sweet Robin safe and healthy. <laughs> there you go. The fans care. I'm I curious to know. staying away. 
I'm curious to know who Robin spends her time with that has hesitations about the vaccine. How does such a bright woman like Robin hang around with those dopes? Uh, Again, that's my question. I am not a judgmental person. Mm. And well, maybe I you talk should to be. everyone. And I've known these people for a very long time. But uh, I guess the time has come to end all those things. Thank you. Here, here. I'm, I'm a very, very happy to hear that. By the way, as long I mean, as I'm and it's the- not a lot of friends. It's just, you know, one or two. Yesterday, Seth Rogen, Robin joined us. Seth, great stories from Seth on Monday, halfway through the interview. I, I, I got up and walked around the house and pre-ordered his book. Damn, he's funny. Uh, this makes Seth's 17 excellent Stern Show appearance. The Tom Cruise stories alone have me psyched to read his new book. It really is good. I do recommend it. I love Howard and Seth together. There's a reason he's been on 17 times. Looking forward to number 18 already. Um, oh, this was interesting. I, I agree with some of this. But anyway, a few a few fans compared some of Seth's mannerisms with other people who have appeared on our show. This listener wrote, I never noticed this before, but there are definite similarities between Seth's laugh and George Takei's laugh. The two Ooh. best laughs in the business. Here, I'll I'll play you this. Here's uh, George's laugh, if you want to hear that. I think there's some validity to this. Here's George. <laughs> here's here's Seth. <laughs> they both make you laugh. <laughs> and then another fan made another point, but I, I didn't get this one. Um, I couldn't get it out of my mind, but I noticed that Seth... Sounds like a high-functioning J.D. Listen to the inflections and stammering. The only difference is at the end, Seth can complete a thought. I, I mean, I know what you were going for here. Here's J.D. Uh, he, there's a, I, I, I don't know. There's, they both like, uh, I, whatever. It is like, it's something that, yeah, like, and it doesn't happen a ton. And the truth is we make movies that are specifically yeah, yeah, naughty. You're way off on that one. Right, yeah. Yeah, come on. J.D. can't um, get out of thought. Right. Can't complete I mean, a sentence. I mean, we all stammer a bit. You know, we all kind of go, uh, yeah, yeah, but J.D.'s a mess. Love By the way, I looked at, I watched uh, 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 comedians in cars getting coffee with Jerry and Seth. Yes. And you can tell that they cut around a lot of awkward silence. <laughs> it is you know, so great. I meant to do that yesterday. What did you just find it on um, on uh, on Netflix? Yeah. On Netflix, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna do and it that. Was, and the even you know the story that he told about telling Jerry that he cut him off when he was a kid at a cut. That's not even in there. Wow. They don't even use that story. Jerry didn't even think it was worth putting in the show. I, I thought it was great, but uh, <laughs> you know who knows. But I, I'm going to do the same thing. I meant to do that yeah, yesterday. By the great. way, because there are times that Jerry's sitting on one side of a booth and and Seth is sitting on the other, and nobody's looking at each other or talking. <laughs> wow, I'm anxious. By the way, to that was a great story, Seth. Great uh, appearance uh, yeah. yesterday. Thank you for that. I'm anxious to give you this update, too. Um, Wolfie's mom decided to get the COVID vaccine. She did? Yes. So, you know, a couple of, uh, I guess last week, I spoke to Wolfie's mom. Wolfie's mom was an anti-vaxxer. Wolfie was all upset about it. I said, Wolfie, let me take a shot. Get your mom on the phone. I thought uh, between myself and Robin, we had a pretty convincing argument about getting vaccinated. I tried to take a calm approach. And, uh, you know, afterwards I said to Robin, what do you think? Did we get through to her? And you were like, yeah, probably 50 percent chance she'll get vaccinated. And I agree. 
you know, I, I felt like we made a lot of sense, but who knew if she would get well, it or not? Well, my but... concern was what she was going to do after. You know, she she was there when we were on the phone with her. But then it was like she said, I have to do more research. But listen to this update. Wolfie's mom decided to get the COVID vaccine. Wolfie says she showed up at the vaccination site wearing her MAGA hat, which she said she was going to do. Course, and I said, that's yes. fine. She told the nurse that Howard Stern sent her. And uh, I, Wolfie says they must have thought she was insane. But anyway, the bad news was the place she went to was no longer administering the first dose. So then she went to her local pharmacy where she found out she couldn't get a COVID shot because she just got a shingles vaccination. Yeah, they have to separate these vaccines. All hope is not lost. She is officially uh, scheduled to get the vaccine in two weeks. And she says we helped convince her. I can play you a small clip of that. So I just wanted you to know we did some good. And I'm hoping uh, maybe some other people heard that. But here's Wolfie's mom. Up so here. what brought you around to make the decision that you're actually going to do it now? I was talking to different people. I didn't just go and you know make that decision. And one was uh, when I talked to you. One was uh, when I talked to Howard and Robin. I trusted her because I didn't know of her background. And then uh, then I decided on the Johnson Johnson because the risk uh, is mostly lower uh, younger people that had that one problem. So I thought, well, I'll just do the one shot and go and do that one. And then plus, because I want to see my grandkids. So I get to see you soon and we can hang out again? Yeah. Yeah, we can hang out. Actually, I'm, I think I'm going to maybe even come and stay for a weekend. How would you like that? Let's not go too crazy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, my. Um, well, that's I wanna th- awesome. Yeah. But we got to stop making it difficult for people who are reticent to get the vaccine. Make sure you give it to them if they show up. This is George Takei. Uh, Congratulations, America. We finally got rid of that gross, vile virus. Now that Trump is out of office, let's kill the COVID, too. Mask up, America. (laughs) This is the Howard Stern Show. Oh, George getting a little political. Oh, you know my name. Look up the number of the Beatles. I remember playing this on the radio when I was a disc jockey, and I thought I was cool. I didn't think anyone knew this Beatles song. You, you tried to play the most obscure music to show that yeah. you were a, a music a music expert. often asked why did john lennon write this as like you know you know my name you know my name look up the number over and over and over again he thought of it as like a mantra um, he wanted to write a song with just you know he just wanted to keep saying you know my name look up the number and um he would chant that all the time and he noticed a phone book on paul's piano at home with you know name look up the number written on it and that's how he wrote the song of course I wish I could see, like, you know, you know, you know my name. You know, you know my name. You know, I was thinking, you, you can't do that anymore. There's no phone book. <laughs> Robin, you know my name. 
That's right. Look up a number. Yes, Mike in Maine. Mike. By the way, another fact. But one more fact on that song. Brian Jones from the Rolling Stones, rest in peace, plays sax at the end of that uh, song. Yeah, that's him on there. Um, yeah, Mike. Hey, Howard. Hey, uh, I love Seth Rogen, and I think he's actually one of your most genuine guests. He's a genuine guy who's just hilarious, and uh, his whole demeanor, everything about him, plus he smokes a lot of weed. He's a great guy. Um, I'm definitely going to buy his book. Uh, I don't care about celebrity autobiographies, but his book sounds like it's going to be actually a funny read. It is. I'm telling you, when I read it, I went, oh, wow, this guy wrote a great book. And, in fact, I was looking on my Google feed, and I saw an excellent review of the book. I think for, I forget what newspaper gave it, but yeah, yeah, he really uh, he he wrote a really funny, good book, and that's uh, that's all I got to say. I uh, can't agree with you more, Mike. He's a great guest. Yes, Scott, you're on the air in Florida. Go ahead, Scotty. All right, yeah, I think What's he's a. That? I oh. think that was a guy either farting or. Uh, Anyway, I have a bunch of things to get to anyway. I, I, I wanted to say that, uh, number one, I'm going to inform you of a couple of things where uh, we have going on here. Uh, uh, today, I have a uh, Cheap Trick exclusive for you. You know, I'm a huge fan of Cheap Trick, the band. We've had them on the show. Uh, I love that whole uh, combination, you know, I, I listen, we all love the album Live from Budokan. That's where people really got into Cheap Trick. But there's a couple of tunes that I absolutely love. Of course, I want you to want me. Nielsen's guitar to me is he, I love watching that band because of Rick. I love it. Uh, Bunny Carlos originally was the drummer. I rem- I thought he had a great fucking sound. Um, and uh, lead singer uh, Robin Zander. Yes. You know, great voice. The song "Surrender," of course, is fantastic. If you're a goat. Rolling Stone called the band Song Surrender the ultimate 70s teen anthem. And they're right. They're right. I used to feel so cool when I listened to that song. I I didn't really know what the fuck they were talking about. You know, mommy's all right, daddy's all right. They just seem a little weird. It seemed to make a lot of sense to me. It it was like describing my life, yes. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but I wasn't sure where they were going with that song, but... Well, you know, uh, was, you know uh, to me, it meant, look, they're not going to change. They're going to keep being weird. So surrender. Don't keep fighting it. Uh, but don't give yourself away. See, this is one of those moments where I feel like an idiot, where Robin explains the song to me. And I go, <laughs> oh, is that, you know, like, like I got to tell you something. I, for my whole life, I've always felt like an idiot. Whenever I hear the Chris Christopherson song, but Janis Joplin, of course, made it famous. Uh, me and Bobby McGee. Yeah. She would sing that iconic line. She would go, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose, nothing 
And I, you know, and I, I even know that. I don't know lyrics, but I know that lyric. And I'm going to be honest with you. I still don't know what the fuck she's talking about. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. And I've said it to myself a hundred times. I woke up this morning going, <laughs> freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. And I said, you idiot. <laughs> Everybody must know what that means but you, but you're embarrassed to admit it. And I say it slowly. I go, freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose. And I still don't get it. No matter how. Well, go, it's one way to look. You know, a lot of people will say they get rid of all their possessions so they have freedom. Because she's going to explain it to me. By the possessions, you know, like trying to keep a big house and a nice car and all the pressure it puts on your life. But if you get rid of it all, you're free. See, I was thinking maybe it was like a soldier in war, like you're free because when you no longer fear death. Or something like that. Mm. See, I don't know what it means. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's just that, you know, possessions sometimes possess you. Mm. And if you get rid of it all, you don't have any, you're not, you're not working for the house or the car. or the, You could actually just leave and never even have a job. You could be totally free. Shit, I feel like such an idiot. <laughs> Still not hitting you. <laughs> I mean... Like, 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 did you watch WandaVision? I've only watched a couple of episodes. Oh, because at one point Vision says, what is grief if not love persevering? And I went, what's he fucking saying? I can't even oh wrap my, my mind around Now it. that's an easy one. Is it? Yeah. Why is that not easy for me? What am I, an idiot? <laughs> what is grief if not love persevering? Wait, what is grief? Hold it a second. You know what that means? <laughs> What? What? I feel like I'm taking the SAT and I don't know how to fill out my name. <laughs> you know what that means? Yeah, I know what Say they're it. saying. You, you got they're a high IQ. The fact that you. you have, you know, you're grieving the loss of a person means that that's love persevering. That's your love uh, Say that again. the loss. Say that your again. Your love. Okay. When somebody dies. Yeah. Or leaves. Yeah. And you feel grief. Yes. That's the love you feel for that oh, person wow. persevering. Okay. Maybe because you took ayahuasca, you understand these things. Maybe <laughs> I need a dose. <laughs> It'll straighten you right out. All right. Let's see. <laughs> the other one that drive, drove me crazy my whole life. I remember I went to see the movie Love Story with Ryan O'Neill and uh, the other one. Uh, Ali McGraw. Ali McGraw. Thank you. And the the big thing was love means never having to say you're sorry. In fact, it, I say it. All I the don't time. understand that one. Oh, you don't? Okay. <laughs> love means because I, 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 I the other day say that over and over again. I was talking to my kids, and my kids go, "Love you, Dad," and I go, "Love you," and I go, "You know, love means never having to say you're sorry." And they go, well, "What do you mean by that?" And I go, "I don't know." <laughs> it was in a movie. That's all. Don't question me on what I and say. And everybody didn't understand it. And that's why it got to be. It was like, oh, love me. He's never having to say you're sorry. You notice people don't go around saying that. Right. Love means you do say you're sorry. Absolutely. You, you got to be man enough to say, I'm sorry. I, I did the wrong thing. I don't know. That, there's not a loving thing. I, I, I don't know. But, but, you know, sometimes I feel like such an idiot because I remember Paul's <laughs> like, this is why I don't like poetry. I fucking hate poetry. I don't know what, you know, when people say they know Shakespeare and they know poetry. 
They don't know what they're talking about. Nobody knows what they're talking about. <laughs> That's I remember <laughs> one of the greatest songwriters in the world is Paul Simon. I was thinking about yes. him the other day. And the, one of my favorite songs Paul Simon ever wrote was The Boxer. And he goes, I have squandered my resistance for a pocket full of mumbles. Such are promises. I do declare. And I, I don't know what he means. I don't know what he's saying. He knows what he's saying. I don't know what he's saying. That's why I can never be a songwriter. I'm too literal. Well, this—that's the beauty of it. Because what he's saying, promises are always broken. They're just mumbles. What? <laughs> you know, people are always promising things. Yeah. How many people keep their promises? Well, what has squandered my resistance? Because he believed, I guess. I, you know, I'd have to see the whole thing, but I always exactly. remember that. Promises are just mumbles. That doesn't mm. it doesn't mean that that you can rely on that person. Oh, I'm tuning out already. My head is exploding. <laughs> <laughs> mumbles. Freedom. You're just mumbling. <sighs> Mary Ann from Brooklyn, you're on the air. My freaking head spinning too today, Howard. First of all, I thought Seth Rogen was fabulous, the way he addressed yes. Franco, nipped it in the bud, fantastic interview. And now on to Connie, because Connie the handjob queen, that was the 50s and 60s, Howard, when people made out in cars and movie theaters. It was then, you know, the era when people didn't know about sexually transmitted diseases or crime the way we know now. It's a whole different ball game now. So if Connie comes on, I'm team Connie, because she was just Wait a, young a second. Girl I got to stop you. I got to I got to argue with oh. you a little bit. Oh, you God. know as well as I do, you're being a little cavalier. Even in the 50s and 60s, a girl passing around her number, getting into cars with strange men, jerking them off, not saying she was a word. No, 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 no. That's dangerous. That's that's a death wish. That's taking your life into your own hands. That's also feeling worthless. No, that's not typical. Well, of even promiscuity I, is an indication of something. Well, Marianne. I'm not saying she was she was a hundred percent there, but you know what? Parents at that time, Howard, did not tell their children anything that was, uh, you know, maybe your mom did. My mom didn't. My mom didn't say anything about sex. Let me so ask you something. You went around in the fifties and sixties and gave guys hand jobs in in no, the car. Never, not Why not? Me. I was. I had more maybe confidence in myself, I guess. I, I skied everybody. I didn't think sex was like the number one topic on my mind at that time. I don't know. I was like a goofy teenager. I wasn't thinking you know, about that. I have such regrets. So, you know, I, 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 when Ronnie was talking about Handjob Connie, I was thinking about something the other day. There was a radio station I worked at years ago. And um, there was a young woman there, very pretty. Uh, she was someone who, who was around the radio station. I don't want to get too specific, but nice body, beautiful face, whole thing. Comes up to me one day. She goes, you know, if you want, after your show, I'll give you a hand job. You know, when you're back in your office, I'll give you a hand job. I thought to myself, oh, my God, is she for real? A, ni <laughs> a, a nice hand job after the show? You know, I was married, of course, at the time. I'd rather a raise. No. <laughs> well, that too, but nobody was offering that. But uh, I remember thinking, oh, it was in my head, like, what a nice gesture 
Like she said, yeah, I'll just go back and jerk you off because, you know, she'd hear me talking on the air and there was a lot of sexual right. talk. Yeah, and, you know, she figured, I'm very... you really needed a hand job. Yeah, she she really was like quite loving about it and said, you know, you could use a hand job. And of course, I didn't do it. I, I didn't cheat on my wife and all that shit. So I but but I, I woke up the other day and went, Jesus Christ, I should have taken those hand jobs. Really? It would have been great. But you see, it also would have been very weird. I must have a Because you got to see that person the next day. You got to see that person. There's going to be certain expectations. It, it would just be weird. And then for the, so I think things through. Like, I, like Ronnie will get in a car and get the hand job and not think about it. I, I, I think too much of the other person and I'm like, oh my God, then she's going to give me a hand job and it, it's wrong of me. She's doing it because I'm famous. And, but and how I go, is and, Ronnie was a kid, teenager in a car? No, I understand that. But I'll tell you another now, thing, Marianne, about me. I remember okay. when I was a kid growing up, there was a girl who wanted to show me her vagina behind a tree in my backyard. And I knew there was something wrong with it. I said, there's something. I was a kid. I wanted to see vagina. But she, she started to pull down her pants and I went, I got to go. Because I just knew there was something creepy about it. I was a kid. I think I was probably 12 years old, maybe 10. You know what I mean? I I got too much of an inner kind of. I was riding a banana bicycle. I understand that with your handlebars with a bell on it. I understand that, but some people like Connie what? maybe had a, had a different growing up. You know, I was like very immature, and I I wouldn't harm anybody sexually. I didn't think of those things. I was thinking of eating Carvel ice cream. I don't know, but Connie maybe had a more you know more sex mind. Maybe she was advanced. I'm trying. By to the way, I realize. That- when I was at America's yeah. Got Talent, I let uh, Marianne come back and visit me in my dressing room. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, there were a lot of people in there with us, and we, we gave her a crown and everything, made her feel like yeah. queen of the day. But I realized she probably would have given me a nice hand job right before AGT started. You know, <laughs> and Marianne's an attractive woman. You know, Marianne, yeah. I probably could have gotten a hand job from you. You could have been hand job Marianne. You know what, Howard? You should see my hands. I got amazing palms. I could palm a basketball. I got incredibly big hands. That's for another nice. day, another subject. You could ask my Honestly, husband. though, I like a woman with Please small hands me. because it makes my cock well, wiggers. Oh, sorry. I mean, well, you know what, Howard? Really? <laughs> yeah. I respect we, we I respect you so much, Howard. I love you Thank so you. much. I love the show. I love everything right. about you, Howard. Are you saying no to the hand job? Never! Believe me, I, I knew enough not to get that hand up. <laughs> but you know what? You talk, a, uh, you're, you know, because when I started working in hospitals, I was a teenager. And there was rampant sex going on between residents and interns and nurses really? and students and. It was crazy, but I, you know, and, you know, people give you the eye and see if you're ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, not me. I knew <laughs> I, I should have be been a, a nurse. part of all the gossip. I know, you know, you talk about nursing stories. I know a nurse who straddled a patient. This guy was feeling bad about himself. <laughs> you got to hear this, Robin. She just climbed right on top of him and said, you want to feel like a man? I'll show you. And uh, she was a fabulous woman. Uh, she went on to be handjob Connie. <laughs> um, anyway, I was talking about Cheap Trick. I had an announcement yes. to make that I think is relevant to all Cheap Trick fans. Cheap Trick released their new album, In Another World, last month. They were in Nashville recently preparing for their upcoming tour, you know, hopefully. 
Uh, they took time to record two exclusive videos for us. So I wanted to tell you that if you have the app, which you oh. should because it's free with your subscription, on the app, I watched it last night, the boys at Cheap Trick, I, I love watching them play. I love when Rick plays. And, um, you know, Robin's singing is so great. Um, now it's uh, Tom Peterson and Dax Nielsen. Uh, Rick's son is in the band. But uh, they look, they, it's terrific. Uh, it's t- terrific stuff. It's on the app. Uh, they, they, they took the time to, to record these two songs. First of all, you know, these guys have always been big Beatles fans. You could hear it yeah. all over their music. They That's decided right. to perform John Lennon's Give Me Some Truth. I think they did such a great job on it. And it's up there on the app now. I'll play a little bit of it. And uh, here they are, Cheap Trick. This one's for you, Howard. Oh, dedicated to me, no less, Robin. Aren't you lucky? Let me tell you something. You're damn right I am. Well, by the way, the next <laughs> song they dedicate to you. But I, I am lucky. I love Cheap Trick. The idea that they would dedicate a song to me is, or even know my name. Is, it's amazing. That's amazing to me. This one's for you, Howard. Give Cheap Trick a hand job. <laughs> That's uh, Rick on a guitar. Uh, Robin Zander, great vocal on this. Oh, yeah. And they know the right songs to pick to do. That's a great Lennon song for them. Listen to that guitar work going on back there. I wish I could play like that. If I had to do it all over again. I'd start playing guitar at five years old and practice eight hours a day. And I wonder if I could play like that if I did that. is 72 years old. Wow. I wonder if he knew Handjob Connor back in the day. By the way, they also performed their new single, Light Up the Fire. And, and the band did dedicate it to Robin. Here, let me play. This one's for you, Robin. Hey. So you can check this out on um, our app, SiriusXM app. Uh, the boys have never sounded better. So there they are. Yeah. And you can see they're still rocking. There. But go check it out. That's That was my message for that. Also, touring is starting. It's going to happen. Let's see what else I have to tell you. Um, 
Let me buzz through a few things. Uh, I'll be talking to Emily Blunt about her uh, excellent new movie. They made a sequel to um, A Quiet Place. It's called A Quiet Place 2. And uh, it's really good. I didn't, you know, you never know. I knew A Quiet Place 1 was great. Sequels are tough. Yeah, sequels yeah. are tough. And you make a great movie of, uh, you know, in this genre, it's very hard to duplicate without messing up or you know even affecting the first movie and making it seem less but not this that this is so well written it's yeah, just her husband wrote it amazing you know i'm like is her husband getting hotter because he writes so well yeah definitely <laughs> like you know i know a lot of showbiz relationships uh-huh and when husbands and wives do a project together if the project like Emily Blunt's a super successful actress. You know, she's hot. Yeah. She's super successful. But she's super and, talented, too. Yeah, yeah, all that. And she's super busy. Then the husband writes a movie called A Quiet Place. You know, and she's like, I don't know what the fuck this guy's doing. I don't know that he can direct. I don't <laughs> I know that he can write it. write me a movie. <laughs> right. And so, you know, all of a sudden, whatever, he goes, you know, hey, why don't you star in my movie? Now, if the thing's a huge hit, they fall more in love. It's great. But if he had written that and it was a piece of shit and she got laughed out of the business, she would have divorced him. I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of relationships like that. So you, you ask the question, does a guy get hotter when he puts together? Yes, of course he does. <laughs> and then uh, I was just thinking, I was like, I think he's getting hotter. Yeah. Her husband, John Krasinski. Then all of a sudden he's uh, the, the what was the movie he did on his own um, where he plays uh, oh Jack um, come on Robin Jack Ryan Jack Ryan it's a TV yeah. show see you said yeah. movie you threw me off all right Jack Ryan <laughs> on the Amazon series yeah and uh, you know he's doing super well so they're super in love right now but if he had fucked this up <laughs> should he she stop now or should he keep yeah. going well he's obviously a really good director and writer yeah. Uh, you know, well, he obviously proved know. himself. Yeah, he's he's amazing. Yeah. So he's I didn't get that when him. he was on The Office. No, no one did. <laughs> Emily's the only one who did. Everyone was like, Emily Blunt's marrying that guy, John? And then John proved himself. <laughs> she was right. She was right. You all were wrong. <laughs> you know. And you Listen. talk about, um, uh, you know, uh, working in a project with two big stars like that, how it can be a disaster. We have examples of that. Gigli was a project oh, yeah. with J-Lo and Ben Affleck. And they were madly in love until the box office. Oh, <laughs> they were ridiculed. By the way, did you see their back together? I can't believe that. Oh, yeah. They went away together for a weekend. And uh, this is, you know. This is so weird. So I was reading that Ben Affleck and J-Lo had a secret run. Not so secret. Everyone knew about it. All the papers knew about it. But they had a rendezvous. They went away for the weekend. And so, you know, my reaction is, listen, I'm not an uptight prude. But even like, you know, most women had said to me and, 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 and other people that I know are like, What's with J-Lo? Can't she fucking come? She just broke up with A-Rod. Yeah, did he pass A-Rod on the way into yeah, like, the house? 
Like, give that thing a little air before you fucking get into Ben Affleck. So, yeah, I so mean, uh, you should even change sheets, you know, yeah. if you're so, having that was that was over. sort of the conversation, and I think it got back to J Lo because some insider, which means either J Lo or uh, or Ben Affleck, it was a story this morning how Ben Affleck, it turns out, has been writing her love letters, J Lo love letters as far back as february even though she was engaged to to a rod so in other words this has been going on for in other words it was like this is not a fly by night it didn't just happen yesterday thing i did air out my vagina and i did (laughs) you know what i mean like i didn't just jump into bed with ben affleck this has been brewing and i'm not a loser kind of a statement while A Rod was cheating on me, but don't forget Ben Affleck was dying for me. He had to have me back. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> going back and revisiting relationships, it never works. Listen, Ben Affleck, he wasn't into her back then. I think he was the one who left. She should they, just leave it alone. I was reminded that they called off their wedding. Yeah, the day before the wedding. Don't go back. I mean, I've. You know, I think about the relationships in my life. It wouldn't go back. It's like, you know, well, you just... I do know people who have married their high school sweetheart after marrying somebody else and having a life and kids know. and all that stuff. I have heard of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they are still hankering for that person, but they do. Anyway, uh, last week, the New York Times reported the United States is unlikely to achieve herd immunity against COVID-19. And you know how I feel about this and how Robin feels about it. And we're fucking just disgusted with the scumbags in this country, you know, who run around. Heil Trump. Why don't they just do that? Raise your right hand. Heil yeah. Trump. Heil Trump. Heil Trump. I'm waiting to hear that. I thought we'd start hearing Heil Trump. I think it should, uh, you know, or El Dushi. El Douchebag. <laughs> Heil Trump. They, they, you know, like, Look, they won't it, get the it, vaccine. It boggles the mind, Howard. It just, I don't even want to think about it anymore because I get so sad for my country yeah. when I think about the dopes who live here and don't Paul's even found, understand freedom. Polls found that 30% of Americans are still reluctant to be vaccinated. Many of those people are concerned about the safety of the vaccines, even though most of us have gotten it and... We want herd immunity so we can get life back to normal. They don't read the paper, these people. They don't read what's going on in India. They don't talk. They don't read about the variants. They think nothing bad is going to happen to them, that it's all fake news. I'm so sick of idiotic fucking bullshit. All I want is the truth. Just give me some truth. But you can't you? even tell them the truth because they've uh, undermined their um, cr- the credibility of regular news sources. Their reasoning is not based on science, and the resistance is mostly fooled by Internet conspiracy theories and hearsay and all the bullshit. So anyway, um, so we went to Wendy, the slow adult. She was an anti-vaxxer, wasn't she? (laughs) But Wendy and her mom have not been vaccinated. That's right. And so we went to Wendy and we said, what? Yeah, maybe Wendy can tell us, Wendy, why are you not vaccinated? Are you curious? I am curious to see what she's saying now. I know because um, there's no way I could handle that, so no. What do you mean by handle it? There's some issues I, you know, that is a problem with people putting something up me. Oh, are you afraid to get a shot? No, it has nothing to 
do with that? My mom will have to explain it to you. Yeah, well, her mom, we asked her mom, and, and the mom said that they, she believes that Wendy's getting influenced by people on YouTube chats. She evidently goes in these chat rooms. Right. But what but is she I get it. putting things up me? What is she talking about? I, I don't know. I, but I get it because Wendy's a slow adult, so I don't hold it against her. You know what I well, mean? Well, I not- hope people listening who have these issues are recognizing themselves in this well, conversation. Well, yeah. Wendy's a slow adult. She's supposed to be gullible. I don't know what, <laughs> what's wrong with the rest of you. So we put together a game for you to play, Robin. All right. Because I have no one else to play with over here. So you're, the, you're the contestant. <laughs> you're only friend. Yeah, you're my only friend. <laughs> we put together a game with Wendy to find out exactly what she believes. And uh, I think it gives some insight into the mind of people who think still that vaccines are dangerous. So everybody, welcome. What will Wendy think? Hi, I'm your host, Howard Stern, and our contestant today is named Robin Clifford, formerly Handjob Clifford. <laughs> yes, what's my hobby? <laughs> she loves giving handjobs. <laughs> Um, when we asked Wendy's mom, Wendy's mom thinks she's already had COVID in January, so it's not a priority to get vaccinated. There's a lot of people out there who believe they had, this is, um, it's and a they phenomenon. they don't have a diagnosis. No, they never were diagnosed. They don't really know that they, maybe they had a headache during uh, the COVID And they still pandemic. recommend that people who had COVID to get the vaccine. But Il, Il Duce, uh, he says he got vaccinated. Il Duce yeah, was vaccinated. really close to when he had COVID. Right. As he got out of office. Yeah. All right. So here, based on what you know, does Wendy believe that the earth is flat? Mm. Mm. Now, she's probably been hearing all her life that the earth is round. Of course. But that doesn't mean anything. I know. But I'm just thinking, has she heard that the earth is flat? No, I think she's going to say the Earth is round. Well, Robin, you'd be wrong. Wendy believes the Earth is flat. <laughs> Come on. She's spending a lot of time in those chat rooms. Put it. Put your slow adult hat on. Come on. Here we go. Yes, I do. Because uh, people's been having their earthquakes, so that's why the Earth is flat. Because of the earthquake. (laughs) She's so silly. Does Wendy believe the moon is made from cheese, Robin? Now, see, this is ridiculous. (laughs) Of course it is. She's got, well, it's a game. She has to have known something, right? Right. Of course. I'm going to say she knows that the moon is not made of cheese. Right. You're thinking like an anti-vaxxer slow adult, and you're right. Wendy does not believe it or not. I would have thought she thought the moon was made of cheese, but she seems to know something. No, I do not. Because there's no such thing as a moon made out of cheese. A moon is the earth. Right. The moon is the earth. Right. Does Wendy I don't believe... care. I got it right. You got it right, and that's all that matters in this game. You're on the board. Does Wendy believe Goofy? know the disney character goofy does yeah. wendy believe goofy is a real creature that he exists oh jeez. Mm. this is tougher than the sats <laughs> well, you're taking thought. it seriously and i like that um yes she knows that goofy is not real you think that wendy thinks goofy is not real right 
Well, if you had taken the master class I teach in slow logic, you would know that, in fact, Wendy does believe that oh, Goofy no. is a real creature. <laughs> yes, he is, because I heard that Goofy works at Disney World. So you're saying that Goofy is a real creature that lives? Yes. See? Uh, you got to get with it, Robin. I know. I'm, I got to get back in that class. Does Wendy believe that climate change is real? Of course not. Let's see if you're right. Uh, yes, I do. Because oh, Florida is getting hotter every 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 year. How right, could the rest, that the, the other thirty percent or forty percent of the country not believe in climate change, but Wendy understands it? Listen, here's the thing with you: you're getting all freaked out. I want you to do well at this game, so I'm going to help you. Okay? <laughs> I want you right now to clear your mind of all rational thought. Can you okay. do that for me? All okay. Right. You got that done? All right. Here's yes, the I'm, next I'm question. I'm reasoning too much. You're, re, you're, you're overthinking it. I want your first answer. You're <laughs> okay. a slow adult. Does Wendy <laughs> believe Donald Trump lies? No. You're not clearing your mind. Give me uh -oh. a different answer. Yes. <laughs> yes. Of course, you're right. Uh, Wendy <laughs> believes Donald Trump lies. Yes, really? I do think he lies, but I don't give a shit. I love oh. him anyway. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, my mom lies sometimes, and everybody lies sometimes, but who gives a shit? Right. Wendy believes Trump lies, but she doesn't care. Okay, there's four okay. questions left, and now I really want you to clear yourself of all rational thought. All right. You're going to do great, man. All right. Do me a favor. Before you answer this next one, I want you to, you got something hard there and blunt, hit yourself in the head three times. <laughs> then I'll be, I'll be able, I'll be dizzy, and I'll answer the questions properly. I know someone who got every one of these right, but he hit his head a couple of times before he answered. <laughs> Does Wendy believe in Santa Claus? Yes or no? Yes. Let's see if you're right. Yes, I do. I still believe in Santa Claus because when I was a kid, he used to call up and check on me and my sister, ask us if we've been good girls and, I mean, naughty or nice. Yeah. Wow. Now, you, now you're doing good. <laughs> you know, you but good. I don't think I'll be able to do anything else the rest of the day having emptied my mind. <laughs> I won't remember what I'm supposed to be doing. No, you're doing good. By hitting your head, I think you cleared it out. <laughs> All right, you ready for your next one? You're on a roll now. You're going to get every one of these right. Do me a favor. Hold your breath for three minutes uh, <laughs> and then answer this question. Does Wendy believe the United States killed Osama bin Laden? Yes or no? Uh, well, the, the guys that do those podcasts and stuff say it isn't true. Right. Now you're thinking. I'm going to say Wendy doesn't think it's true. Now you're doing good. Okay, here we go. Now you you held your breath for three minutes and it worked. Yes. No, I do not. Because it could be somebody dressed up as them or got a makeover as them. Right. Now you've gotten to see what, when you follow my advice. I'm on a roll. <laughs> do you have any... Uh, I want you to get the next two right. Do you have any paint chips, Andy? <laughs> Lead paint chips, specifically. Lead paint chips. All right, here we go. <laughs> Does Wendy believe that aliens are real? Aliens are oh, real. Yes, 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 yes. Now you're on a roll. Here we go. 
Hell yeah, aliens are real because um because uh because we was created as alien when we got born. There you go. Now you're doing good. Yeah. Uh, do, do you have any glue you can sniff for this last one? I want you to get it right. <laughs> yes, I have the glue right here in my desk drawer. All right, one last a one. Of whiffs. <laughs> Before you answer, I want you to get in a time machine, go back in time, have your mother drink heavily while she's pregnant with you. <laughs> so I can have and, fetal alcohol syndrome? That's right. Yes. <laughs> All right, here you go. Does Wendy believe vampires are real? Oh, no. Wait, that wasn't my answer. That wasn't my answer. All right. I just... I just want to know. Yes. (laughs) You say she does. Yes. And you're right. You see? (laughs) You went back in time and made your mother drink while she was pregnant. Here we go. Yes, I do, because I seen a bat the other day flew in the air. I saw that bat turn into a man. You saw a bat turn into a man? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. You, you did know, very what well, What an Robin. exciting life she has. Yeah. Because look at what's happening in her world, and it's all real. Right, right. Well, there you go. Let's... um. Let's go to Lee. Lee in Florida. Hi, Lee. Hey, what's going on? Hey, now, Howard. How hey are you? Hey, now, Lee from Florida. Okay. What's going on? Hey, now. Hey, so really yes. quick, I was gonna, I was gonna bring up the the whole handjob Connie thing, but are we just gonna brush over the fact that that Wendy saw a bat turn into a man? Is that? <laughs> I haven't. Uh, let me tell you something. Fact? I was going through these answers last night, and I went, "Holy shit." As Robin said, yeah. Wendy's having a party, like like she's on an acid trip. Like it's crazy. all the time. Like, we need to be she, all never the gets, she never gets sober. Exactly. So hey, this whole hand job Connie Howard, I, I I was listening to it this morning and I got so warm in the stomach because I'm I'm really excited for this investigation. Yes, um, I'm you know, I really hope that I really hope that some of these things can come to surface because just Ronnie talking about it. Did anybody else hear the elation in Ronnie's voice? Um, It was just I've heard that story maybe 17 times. You know, for for over 30 years, I sat in the back of his car and I would say in those 30 years, at least once a year, maybe 30 times I've heard (laughs) the uh, handjob Connie story in one form or another. It's worked its way in. It's like a defining moment in Ronnie's life. Well, you know uh, what's great about it? Ronnie is living it while he tells the story. You know, yes. he's remembering yeah, the car exactly. ride. He's remembering the phone call. He's remembering exactly. where he parked. Lee, exactly. I've got a bit and of you know, good it, news it for you. Me, I've yeah, got good news yeah. for you. We hired, um, I don't know if you remember, I don't know how old you are, but Dan Rather, who, who used to be the head of CBS yeah. News, we hired Dan Rather to lead the investigation oh, into Handjob Connie. So he will be... Thank um, God. <laughs> that's right. Because he sounded so happy. He sounded so happy, Howard. And uh, it was good to hear that in, uh, in Ronnie's voice. Ronnie, I love you, man. I love you. I hope you find her, and I hope you can talk about old times. Yes, uh, we're swabbing the hands of every woman in Ronnie's neighborhood <laughs> and taking it very seriously. So you're, <laughs> you're going to love it. Um, what else did I want to tell you? Oh, you know, I was thinking about this whole, I don't even know if I want to get into Caitlyn Jenner 
running for governor of California. I, I, it's hard for me to take any of these celebrities who run for office who have, uh, you know. Well, is anybody serious about government anymore or do they just want the platform so they can be on TV all the time? I was going to play a couple of clips from uh, Sean Hannity interviewed Caitlyn Jenner. And I mean, she sounds so out of fucking touch. With well, she what's is. Going She's on. always been out of touch. She didn't even well, know she was a woman for a long time. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you're right. Uh, she she calls her. She put together some sort of um, like a campaign video and calls herself a compassionate disruptor. Yeah. And and like so, they just put together. This is what what drives me crazy. It's so poorly thought out. And we've already had a president who was poorly thought out. You know, I went through four years of that. And, I, you know, we had a disruptor, so to speak, who basically that what disruptor meant. I'll just fire anybody competent and put in a bunch of guys who will all end up in jail. Like, that's that's the innovation. Yeah, so, anything that's working, I'll just break. Yeah, which was essentially what happened, which got us into this coronavirus mess, in my opinion. But anyway... So she puts out a, a a campaign video, says, I'm a compassionate disruptor. She goes on Sean, Sean Hannity the next night and says, I've changed it already. I'm not a compassionate disruptor. Uh, she gave herself, I, I went, well, you mean within one day, you're not the compa- you're not a, comp- now you're something else. Listen to this. What is a compassionate disruptor? I've kind of played around with that term. Um, and originally, I started out as a compassionate disruptor. And then I was thinking the other day, I think I'm more of a thoughtful disruptor. I have common sense. OK, I see what's going on and I see no common sense in politics and why they're doing it, besides only for political reasons. I mean, in one day, you became a thoughtful disruptor. Yeah. Why didn't you get the term straight before you started using it? Yeah. It was just so bizarre and like sounded completely out of touch, started to kind of talk and said, um, you know, I was at my hangar the other day. Now, if you're running for office and you want to be like a woman of the people, I was at the I was at my hangar the other day. (laughs) Hangar as in um, your airplane hangar. Yeah, where she parks her plane. And she ran into another rich dude who said you know what i got this is the story she's telling shows you how to touch i i'm getting out of california i'm moving because i can't you know everywhere i go there's homeless and then she goes and there's a real problem with homeless people here you know and of course never says well okay we have a problem with homelessness and here's what i plan to do about it it's just that she's upset that people are leaving, her rich friends That's are right. We've got to do something about the rich people leaving California right. because of the homeless. 18,000 companies have left California. My friends are leaving yes. California. Actually, they were at my hangar. The guy across right over from me, he was packing up his hangar. I said, where are you going? And he says, I'm moving to uh, Sedona, Arizona. I can't take it here anymore. I can't walk down the streets and see the homeless. I don't want to leave. Okay. Either I stay and fight. Or I get out of here. What are you going to do? You're going to fight with the homeless? You know, her main concern, this is how this is how bad she is at running. Her main concern about the homeless seems to be that they're disgusting as opposed to saying like having a mosquito infestation. You know, there are lots of mosquitoes and people are leaving because of the amount of mosquitoes. So I'm going to get rid of them. 
I'm going to call an exterminator. Yeah. You know, not one solution. I don't want my friends to leave. <laughs> you know, I was, I, I was in my private jet the other day, and I could still see the homeless people from the sky. It was horrible. We have to put them somewhere where no one has to see them. Mm. I just, I'm so disgusted with the homeless problem that I just said, <laughs> you bums, go start a handbag company or something like my stepdaughter. <laughs> and they were like, oh, there's an idea. And now they're wealthy people and they're no longer homeless. We don't have to stare at them. That's how, that's how I'm a disruptor. A compassionate disruptor. Compassionate disruptor. In other words, another person who's completely bankrupt from ideas. Never no, served it wasn't in government. compassionate. It was thoughtful now. She's a thoughtful, thoughtful disruptor. Yeah. Well. And, and Sean didn't follow up with, a, well, what do you do about the homeless? No. Nah, I mean, maybe he did. I didn't see the whole thing. I just saw these clips. Because uh, I'd love to point, know if there was a plan. At one point, she said she was pro-illegal immigration. I thought Hannity's head was going to explode. She slipped and <laughs> said pro-illegal. <laughs> and he, he quickly corrected her. Oh, by the way, he's blaming he's blaming this recall on QAnon, anti-vaxxers and anti-immigration uh, citizens. Yeah. I'm pro-illegal immigration. I, 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 wow. I'm organized. We really have to... You're pro-legal immigration. What's that? You're pro-legal... Legal immigration, yeah. yes. Okay. Pro-legal immigration. Sorry, did I miss the legal part? Yeah. Thanks for catching me. <laughs> yeah. You got my back, Sean. I appreciate that. Oh, I thought... No, I, no I'm pro I, I knew what you were saying. Yeah. So. I I'm glad you know what she's saying, Sean, but then you've understood a lot of stuff that nobody else understands. I forget. Do we like abortion or do we hate it? I always mix that one up, Sean. What am I supposed to say? You got my back, Sean. Thanks, Shawnee. <laughs> Yikes. I don't know. How does he sleep at night? Does Scott work with him, too? Scott Schneer Schneerson work with him? <laughs> yeah, after he's done with Ronnie. <laughs> uh oh. Oh, someone's at the door. Let's see who it is. Okay. Hello? Oh, Howard? hi. It's Caitlin. Hi, Caitlin. I heard you talking about me. Hello. Hey, Robert. <laughs> Hello. I understand. Hey, Caitlin. I understand hey, you want to be, I understand you want to be governor. Well, I'm so happy you brought up those disgusting homeless. You know, I have to right. tell you, and this is kind of, I feel I can be free on your show because Robin, Good. they're freaks. They really are. The oh. homeless are freaks. You know this and right. I know this. Yeah. I was praying because I'm very religious. I was praying this weekend that that uh, 18-ton Chinese rocket would just land on Skid Row and just totally wipe out the homeless. Well, you got a plan. War disruptor. Yeah. Yeah. I am. I'm a. You know, I've been thinking. I'm not a thoughtful disruptor. I'm an integrated disruptor. I like to integrate all my ideas together and then disrupt them. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, that is good. I, I guess that's what clarify. we need in government. More disruption. And why can't the homeless get a job? I mean, what right. is that? Right. You know, I'm What's on Cameo. Problem? I do Cameo. They can get an iPhone, an iPhone right. 6, maybe, an iPhone 6 or a 4. Well, what if some of them, what if yeah. some of them went in the Olympics and, and, and won and, and got a gold medal? Then they would be awesome. How about creating ass. a homeless Olympics? Right. Oh, that would be There's fantastic. An idea. What <laughs> about that, Caitlin? Get a javelin and do something. Come on. <laughs> You are Ridiculous a disruptor, a thoughtful on. disruptor. There's an idea. <laughs> well, at one point she said to Sean Hannity that uh, she uh, is a thoughtful disruptor, and she says, 
I'm an idea person. I don't care if you're Democrat. I don't care if you're Republican. If you have a good idea, I'll listen. In other words, I don't have any idea what to do. Right. But I'll listen Give to your me your right. ideas because uh, I'm going to call I don't all the any. other governors. I'm going to say, you what are? are you up to? What are you? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's go a good call idea. And say, what are you doing? Sounds right. great. I'm going to do yeah. that, too. Right. You're going to call. You're going to call the governors, hear their ideas. Yeah. And if you see a good one, you'll do it. Yeah. Why not? That's what you call common sense, right? I'm always workshopping. I'm I'm open to anything. Tell me right. how to do my job. I'll do it. Well, I don't know. Sean, I have to say, from my opinion, looked very uncomfortable doing the interview. And he, for some reason, he flew out to California to get the interview. I don't know why. What's going on um, there? Are they really going hanger. to back Caitlin? I think he I has know. a crush on me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a vibe that he wanted you? I know he's very religious. I mean, uh, it I might be a vibe that all men want me. Have you seen really? Me? I mean, oh, you do look yeah. fabulous. You look. You oh yeah, I've completely redone my infrastructure. <laughs> <laughs> you believe so, yeah, in doing the infrastructure? Yeah, you spent a lot on it. It takes oh, yeah, a I lot for a, infrastructure. Believe you me, know, Caitlin, I, had a, I had a crumbling infrastructure, and I fixed that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm good. I, by the way, I love your laugh. It's infectious, oh, really. You. Well, yeah. you know, I have to tell you, like, you know, everyone's getting after me for these trans issues. And I used to have a lot of trans people over to my house when I was doing the reality show. And a lot of them, I have, they don't work on their lady voice. It's really upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I'm going to point something yeah. out to you. If you did the interview sure. at Fox News, yeah. there'd be no bathroom that you could use. And, and that's, oh, you know, right. because Howard, so I'm so glad you brought this up. I, you know, so many of these trans issues are ridiculous. First of all, I shouldn't be using the women's bathroom. I take massive shits. Right. I mean, uh, I'm not even sure I should see. be using the men's bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> you still take man shits, even though you're a woman. I, oh, I take triple coilers. I, I'm not sure I shouldn't be out in the woods like a bear. <laughs> you're saying that you should be shitting in the woods like a bear. You're so oh, out yeah. of control. I take yeah. huge shits. Do you oh, take? You don't yourself? want a bathroom designated for you. You don't. No, you have, don't even Robin, need it. You'd, you'd have to demolish it. Okay. I mean, <laughs> we're talking about you all know, right, Caitlin. Five well, alarm fires. All right. Thank you, Caitlin, and a good Thank luck you for so running much. for governor. Oh. Why not? And Robin, before I go, I got yeah. an extra pair of Louboutins for Mother's Day. I have an identical pair. I'd love to send them to you. Uh, your shoes are about a size 14, right? N uh, no. <laughs> no, they're not. How dare well, you. you're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, honey. Listen, I got to go. Thank you. Thank you. So nice. Right. Uh, very nice. Size 14 Louboutin. I'm just sick and tired of, uh, can you imagine saying someone dainty like you? The size 14. <laughs> Ah, beautiful song. Thank you, J.D. Uh, Emily Blunt, beautiful Emily Blunt, stars in A Quiet Place Part 2, opening up Friday, May 28th. Um, excited to talk to her about, oh, wow, there you are. There she is. Hi. Beautiful Emily Blunt, look at you. Hi, guys. Where are you? Yeah. Good You're morning. In your, in your study. Good morning. I'm, I'm in Spain in my apartment that they've rented for me. Oh, you're doing um, a movie. I'm doing a six-part Western um, for Amazon and BBC. So I so start tomorrow. Western as in the United States? Western like the old yeah. like cowboy and, uh, and you got to lose the British yeah. accent for that too, right? No, it. no. It's actually called the English. So I get to stick with this. Oh. Oh. Meaning so, the well, English 
would be the English they coming invaded. over from they invaded. Yeah, we just tended to invade in general, like every country <laughs> in the world. So this one's called the English, and um, uh, I didn't know this, but aristocratic Englishmen came over in the 1870s and started cattle rearing and cattle herding. Very lucrative. They bought up plots of land as big as Wyoming. And um, so I'm coming over to seek revenge from one of said Englishmen. So the movie business now is so crazy. Were you able to accept this movie because you were vaccinated or did you accept it before you got vaccinated? How does it all work? So honestly, I basically... I mean, I am vaccinated. I just got my second one, but I've been working on this for two years. You know, it got sent to me as a pilot and I'm normally just such a terrible crowd for scripts and I don't like anything. And, and I read two pages of it and it was so startling and so beautiful. I just called my agent. I was like, I will be doing this show. Wow. It was so extraordinary. So I kind of I was producing it with them and we sold it to Amazon, BBC, and then we were supposed to start back in August and it just got pushed and pushed and pushed. So we're now starting tomorrow. I don't know how you do it. Um, I was talking to my wife because <laughs> we both watched uh, A Quiet Place too. She wasn't going to watch yeah. it with me because Quiet Place once scared but the shit did. out of her. Yeah, she watched it. She <laughs> loved it. She sat through Good the whole thing her. and really loved it, but she gets scared. Oh, I mean, it is a, it's a scary movie. It's scary because, oh, you know, no, in a way, this whole edge. thing... Sh- the whole thing with COVID is yeah. really our world changed. Monster, invisible monsters came and we started breathing yeah. them in. And yeah. in a way, a quiet place is like that. All of a sudden, these monsters show up and we don't yeah. know why. And, yeah. you know, you're like, what the fuck? I don't know what's going on. It was it was kind of a perfect movie for COVID. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's sort of eerie, you know, how much the themes resonate with people much more now, you know, because I think what you'll see in the second one, and I'm not spoiling anything but the world expands the family's home has been decimated so they have to venture out and it's like which neighbor will extend their hand to you like who's going to help you who wants to help you and touch you and look out for you and it's just those kinds of things yeah how are we going to get back to togetherness it's sort of it people are just saying it's really eerie and when we had to pull the movie from cinemas a week before release last year all the posters were still up like all over new york city which was just desolate. And people were like, it's so fucking crazy that your movie is like <laughs> representative of this time we're in. Yeah, what it a crazy wild. history with, with this movie. The first one, A Quiet Place one comes out out of nowhere. It wasn't a big budget film. Made about made over $300 million. Um, yeah. When that movie came out, I had a lot of thoughts about the movie because Go knowing on. you, knowing you, well, knowing you, <laughs> here was my theory. Knowing you okay. and John and knowing some people in the acting business who have actually worked with their husbands before. Right. When the husband writes and directs a movie and then his wife is going to be in it, it's all great. Yeah. If the movie comes out in tanks, they nine times out of ten get a divorce. Divorce. The wife, yeah. Yes. No, but, but seriously, Emily. He's like, you ruined you, my career. I did this for you. And now it's yes. over. You, you, you're laughing about it, but you know you know how many couples that has <laughs> happened luckily to. Luckily, it hasn't happened, but like, no, but, but I know have. what you mean. And even in whether the movie had tanked or not, when we decided to work together, there were a lot of people who were like, you're going to be divorced by the end of the movie. Like people were really I said it. like, I said crazy. It. Did you? Yes. yes, I said to Listen, my wife, we went out to dinner with you. Other than maybe 
Yeah. He went out to dinner with you and your husband, and I heard the plans that he had written a movie. <laughs> and I'm saying, I turned to my wife afterwards. I said, they're so lovely, but they Disaster. are so done. Disaster. They're so done, <laughs> those two. She's doing the movie. She shouldn't be doing this movie. But meanwhile, who knew John could direct and write the way he does? Listen, I didn't know, okay? Right. Yes. He wrote the script, and I initially, when he pitched me the idea, I was like, you've got to direct that. That is fantastic. Here's who you should cast. My friend so-and-so. I'm not going to tell you who it was. Who and was it? I'm curious. Who no, did I'm you recommend? Say, no, no, Why? Say, no, That's no, no, such no, a compliment to no, that actress. No, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. But wait a fair. second. That's a no, compliment a to the actress. Because already people have talked about it. I just, I, yeah, that's the headline. No, I'm not going to do it. Emily, so you're seeing this the wrong way. Wait, wait, wait. Stop for a second. You're seeing this the wrong way. You, <laughs> you are so gracious that you said to your no, husband. No, I robbed her of this movie. I'm not a good friend. No, but it's you, not, but you it's were not wonderful. It's not being gracious greedy no it's not. you said this girl is such a great actress she'd be perfect for the movie i know That's but maybe so i was hedging my maybe i was hedging my bets against my husband it's not it's actually mean all round so i was being tentative about you? signing on to john's movie his script i read, read it, it on a plane read it on a plane and he i turned around and i really had a cry because it was astonishing and i said now this is awkward because i've recommended so and so is there any way you would want me to do this movie with you? And he was really thrilled, or he performed of being very thrilled. <laughs> but of course, he you're one of the hard. He in mind. Well, you're a very. He did write it with you in mind, but he did. Here's the thing: you're a very successful actress. You get offered a <laughs> lot of movies. You're in that rarefied air where you get offered things and can turn things down. Yeah. So you know the point is to get you in the movie is great, and and you're right. Who the hell knew John could write Who a the fucking hell knew? movie? And I remember I said to him, I said to him before we started shooting, I was like, you got to get yourself an amazing DP. Do you know how to shoot this movie? And right. the other thing that was the big discovery is what a visual hurricane he was. Just brilliant to the point yes. where I was like, what are you doing with the camera? What? But, but, I, I would have no idea how to shoot that movie. But here's the thing. When he decided to write a movie, you were yeah. probably rolling your eyes. You're probably like, you know what? I'm working my ass off. No. What does this guy do? Where was he writing this movie? And you were probably did he good? You were probably busy. You, you were probably like, what the hell? I'm working like crazy. And this guy said, I wasn't. I just I was pregnant, and I'd had our first baby, our second baby. I was like, he pitched me the idea, and I listen. I've always known. He is supremely talented. And actually, to speak very plainly with you, I was just waiting for the rest of the world to sort of find out that he was more than Jim from The Office. And for a long time, I know he wanted to... That's a hard tale to shake. Like, when you're beloved as Jim Halpert, and people are like, that's what you are, and it is a business of compartmentalizing people. It is a business of pigeonholing. Yeah, because I didn't think John deserved you, honestly. I'll be honest. I (laughs) thought maybe someone like myself did. I I really he would be, <laughs> and 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 John proved himself when he wrote this movie and directed it, and now you were of like, course, oh, he finally deserves her. Yeah, I get thought? it now. I didn't get it before. No, but oh, well, when well, he, I got it. You thought it was I a got flick, it. like he when did he, it right once. <laughs> yeah, I thought he hypnotized Emily and got her to marry him. <laughs> but I, but but really, when you, how long? In other words, how did he even know how to write a script like that? It's a brilliant script. He'd written the um, script before. He wrote the script with Matt Damon called Promised Land. And he'd always enjoyed writing. And, he, you know, he'd done a bit of directing, but not much. But I know, like, any job he was on, he would rewrite it and sort of make it better. And 
But I didn't know he had all of that in him. He didn't right. know. He he had no idea that this sort of tsunami of ideas and creativity was sort of about to hit him. He had no clue. None of Emily, us did. Take me to the moment when the movie comes okay. out. The first one I'm talking about. We'll get yeah, to the yeah. second one in a minute. The movie comes out. It's a huge hit, critically acclaimed. You yeah. come off beautifully. Even wrote your script. You don't even have to memorize any lines. You just you, you get. To, which, by the way, do you prefer? It must be such a blessing. You just have a couple of lines, and then the rest is like visual acting. It's almost it's like a kind of really stuff. fun. Yeah, it's it like is a fun, dream. right? You're like, yeah, honey, really did fun. you just write me a movie where I don't have to say anything? I, God <laughs> yeah, bless you. It's the best. You. Oh, it's the best. I just get to give give birth silently. We shot that scene for like five days. It was just what? silent birth giving. Yeah, like it was my great. Wife. No, no words. No words. Yeah, yeah, no words. My wife said, what a great role. I remember my wife once got a role on a <laughs> soap opera. She had to know five lines and she couldn't get the five lines memorized. I mean, the memorizing <laughs> lines is hard. And she said, now there's a she movie I would want to do. You know, that's that's yeah. a gift. Yeah, yeah. So, and, 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 you know, the movie comes out and grosses th over $300 million. Mm. It, it, it's like an aphrodisiac, right? I mean, even sexually, now you look at I mean, it might, the lovemaking. Was lovemaking done immediately uh, when <laughs> you realized the kind of blockbuster this thing was? It was pretty cool. It was, right? Was the, what, yeah. Did it become even more romantic, your relationship? I imagine it, not, Honestly, it put it up a notch. You know what's funny is, you know, when we first brought the movie to for people to see, we were both bricking it. I mean, he especially hadn't eaten all day. And we were showing it at South by Southwest. And at that moment, 10 people had seen it. And I don't think anyone knew what was coming. And he, I remember we started playing the film and people were silent. Like, I've never had an experience like it. And then they, they'd laugh because they were nervous. And John was like, oh, my God, why are they laughing? I was like, because they're fucking terrified. They're, they're, they're into it. And the movie ended and there's a gun cock at the end that I do. And I, in my life, I've never experienced anything like it. It was like they wanted to rip the chairs out of the floor. The whole place erupted it like the doors blew off. It was so yes. thrilling. And I felt that thing happen on social media afterwards, like people just talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. But I think when it actually came out and it did what it did on that opening weekend, it was just, we were astonished. It was, was the lovemaking, Emily, Listen, don't avoid the question, Howard. was the lovemaking wild? I mean, how, how do you express <laughs> that? I mean, your life. And also, I would imagine when a movie makes $300 million, Emily, mm -hmm. financially, I mean, you got to get back Howard, in Come on, I don't what? talk about money from England. We don't talk about that. But my, my parents have never said, so what do you earn? Like, would never imagine asking me. I, I don't think talk about of money. Me as your parents asking you. No, I Emily, can't. We need the, we <laughs> We're need supposed your to be account. my husband. I don't see you that way. But Emily, this is yeah. a game changer. Your life, did you go out and buy anything? Did you, got, did you guys do anything special? Or are you the type of couple that just says, well, we got to be sensible about this. We'll save no, up. No, I'm me. never, I have never been sensible with money. Anytime I had any money, it is gone. I do not know how to save money. So what did you John, buy? John especially does not know how to save money. <laughs> well, we actually got ourselves out of debt, I think. <laughs> Is that right? No, stop it. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's 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 mind blowing. I, someone once told me when when I made my movie, if you make over a hundred million dollars, your whole world's going to change. You get offered any great script. There's certain great scripts in Hollywood you get offered. You get Did you? the work. 
I, I didn't see anything great. I, I got a couple of uh, offers to do future movies, but I wasn't. I'm not an actor, and I wasn't. I wasn't pursuing that in my life. But yeah. you know, but but it's a blockbuster like that. My movie wasn't a blockbuster like that. It 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 is a mind blowing, heady experience, is it not? It and still is, some, and it yes, it still it still is. It really is. It is like this because the movies for us they are like family members. You know, at times they been rather dysfunctional family members but they are members they they are like wild horses in our house and and i can't tell you like it's like when you live and breathe it for the months on end leading up to it and and then the movie comes out and people love it and it has this sort of meteoric life that was so unexpected it was so unexpected and then people want to do a second one it just was it still is it's still i don't know it i have a very hard time recognizing that's me in any movie that people like I right. just I disassociate. Like if I see a poster of myself, I'm like, who is that? Like I, I I don't I have a hard time associating with it. So here's what people don't realize. So a Quiet Place yeah. One is this huge hit, and uh, and you and you do such a beautiful uh, acting job. In fact, Emily won the SAG Award for the first movie, uh, you know, Screen Actors Guild Award, which is pretty exciting stuff. And uh, it's great piece of acting, great movie, suspenseful. And then when jo I guess John says, I think I have an idea for a second one. You're probably like, don't press your luck. I mean, I'm falling more in love with you now. You know, you proved to me you're you're somebody in this business. Don't screw you're it. You're not up. a fluke. Don't screw it up. He right? didn't prove to me. He proved to you guys. He didn't Who knows? prove anything to me. You have to say that. But um, no, I do. That's what I feel. He knows that. He knows. That. I I read a quote from you, and tell me if it's true. It, you said when the first movie came out and was such a huge hit, you said, "This is when John really became my husband." And uh, I was I was not. To be with him. Right. This is this is my man now. This is I'm ready to fully commit. You and guys it's a beautiful are quote. It's an ridiculous. honest quote. Right. No, I never but, said it. I literally I was like, oh, go on, keep going. Next question. So so when John goes off and writes the second the, the sequel, so to speak, are you saying to yourself, Okay, this'll be fun. You guys now get it made. This is kind of a mind blowing thing, and I didn't realize the timeline. The movie was all set to come out in theaters yeah. right before the pandemic, literally days before the pandemic. You had done all the press. You had gone yeah. on every TV show. You had <laughs> done all your homework in terms of making the second, the sequel, a success. And by all means, based on what the movie I saw, the, the one you've just made, I know it would have been a blockbuster in theaters. There's no mm. question it would have done the same exact thing. It's that good. It, it has to be heartbreaking when the pandemic it, hit. It, it sucked. It sucked. And, it sucked and, on so many levels. It was so discombobulating and surreal. For, I mean, for everyone, though, for everyone that's gone through this thing. It must have been weird for your show. It must have been weird to suddenly come out and be like, okay, I guess we're at home and this is it. Oh, my God, what's happening? It was so strange and yet... Everyone was in a state of disbelief. John was the one who actually called it two weeks before we pulled it. He was like, we're going to have to pull this movie. Mm. And everyone was like, no, 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 no. What are you talking about? No way. People just go inside for two weeks. Maybe we push it two weeks. You know, Every, he, he was hearing that and he goes, this is happening. I'm pulling the movie from the theaters. Wow. And even the studio were like, I don't know. I don't know. And he was like, we're pulling it and we're pulling that, it today. That has to be heartbreaking because, you know, uh, like I'm an amateur painter. And when I paint something, I'm very proud of it. I can You're a imagine. Very good painter. 
thank you. But uh, what I'm saying yeah. is, when when John writes this movie, you star in it. You you pour your heart and soul into it. Forgetting mm-hmm. money and everything, you really want people to see it. You know, you oh, really I, we, want. We, to- yeah, it's kind of like you're. It's kind of like you. Honestly, I don't even know how to describe it. I feel like I've been sitting on my hands for a year waiting for people to see it with my knees juggling. I'm just like, I just want people to see it so badly because it's also brilliant. You know, it's one. And I never tell people to see my films ever. There's only a few that I've been like, oh, you should check it out. It's good. This one is such an inspired sequel and I'm really proud of it. And I can't believe it hasn't come out, but this is the way I... Ultimately, we all just had to surrender, right? Everyone had to surrender and let things unfold with a bit of grace and ease. But it was it was surreal. I remember doing, I did Kimmel's show and the movie was coming out. And the next day I was doing James Corden's show and I got a call on the way to James Corden going, we're pulling it. And I arrived at Corden and he goes, is your movie coming out? I went, no, but I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> right. And, I, and, and, and so I just had to do the performance of a lifetime pretending my film was coming out. It was so strange, so weird. What, what do you think? I mean, as someone who works and really works in the movie business, and you're, you know, you're, you're at the top of your game. Are you? Look, everybody has the horrors in their life and career, but in a way, do you feel? I don't know what you're feeling because what is the movie business now? Is it ever going to come? Are people really going to start going to theaters again? As an actress, are you sitting and saying, you know? I'm one of those people that's a movie star. I'm a bona fide movie star. I've starred yeah. in lots of big movies. I I feel like I won't be seen on a small screen. No, I don't. <laughs> well, that yes. Way. Don't you feel that in a no, sense? No, I'm doing like, a TV series now. No, 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 not at all. For me, there used to be such a bright line between TV and film, and that line has been blurred now for many moons. You know, since all the big movie stars have been like, "That's the best material," and it is the best material. And interestingly. I think that for a long time, the last five years, I've seen it happen a lot, that every movie is sort of contorted for that opening weekend, like how many bums on seats can we get? And so the the taste level starts to go to rock bottom because they're sort of films have become so derivative of one another, so deliberate, so sort of compressed into like what they think people want to see so you've lost that ability of like interesting narratives cool storylines stuff that we haven't seen everyone's just trying to do what worked before so in many ways what's happening with streaming i have no issue with because i think we could go back to that resurgence of like those 70s movies where people there's no pressure there's no gladiatorial sort of thumbs up thumbs down on the opening weekend and that dictates how your film does so i don't mind it i really don't mind what's happening i think you're right but I do I believe right. that there will always be these big event movies that you have. I'm such a dusty old fart in that way. I want to go to the theater. I love to go to the theater. I've always loved it. It's been a huge part of my life DNA of excitement and entertainment. So, so I do believe people will go back. I think people are champing at the bit to go back. And you've seen that evidenced in some of the films that have come out, even released day and date on HBO Max. These movies have crushed at the theaters. People, are they, they need to get out of their houses. We need to start creeping back to the land of the so, living, you know. So they're releasing the movie this weekend uh, for theatrically, right? I mean, it's the, the movie A Quiet Place 2 is going to be in theaters. Yes, and, and it's going to yeah. be solely in theaters for 45 days, which is a lot more than 
uh, some other studios are offering uh, theatrical windows. Sometimes it's a day and date with streaming, but Paramount, you know, have been very collaborative with us and they want us to have the theatrical, which is really, this movie particularly was made for the theatres. Right. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I think in many ways our movie is a bit of a test dummy, which is a bit scary. But at the same time, I think John always felt quite confident about being one of the first movies to bring people back. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, it's quite remarkable. You know, I I was watching the movie and I went, oh, you know, they could really fuck this up because the, the first one was so good. <laughs> but you, you also, can. do you ever want to leave your house? No, you don't want to leave your house. So you're, no, you're not think, a good template for it. I'm not, but I think your assessment of the movie business is right. I think things started to get very weird. That like movies started opening all on the same weekends. I remember a yeah. hundred years ago when Crocodile, the first Crocodile Dundee came the best. out. God, it was fantastic. Movie. And the movie didn't do well the first weekend. It built. People, word of mouth right. built, and people went right. out, and, and they made that movie a hit. Didn't happen anymore. So maybe yeah. with the pandemic and the way the movie business is changing and with the streaming services that a lot of, as you say, these films that are a little deeper, have a little more meat to them, yeah. you know, they might end up doing really well. Well, well, and you get more people to see them. And I think the, the stories are just going to be better. They're going to have more depth and intrigue to them. Um, I think that everything was just becoming so simple and nobody expected Quiet Place to do well, but it did well because it has depth and because of word of mouth. So that South by screening happened. And the only reason we did so well with the opening weekend is because of that screening and because of the reviews. Is your career getting so big at this point? No, I mean, I, no, wait a second. Hear my question. I know. You're at go the, on. Okay, listen to me. Don't, first of all, you don't even need to have humility. You're a great actress and you're able, you know, you've got the look, you've got the ability, you've got the chops to act. So the world's your oyster. And there's, and I don't, you know, there's not many actresses who get to your level. They want to. They want to be the leading lady. They don't get to be, you know, they don't get the star office of Tom Cruise and all that. But with that comes this insane amount of scripts. And how do you, like, when you pass on something, it, does it give you some kind of feeling in the pit of your stomach? Like, oh, God, I hope I'm making the right choice. This could be the next blockbuster that I just turned down. I was reading something. You turned down... Um, what the hell was the movie you turned down? I can't even remember what it was. I think it was you. Were, oh, I know what it was. You were supposed you were offered the role of Black Widow in the Marvel series. Yeah. yeah. And that's a great role for uh, Scarlett Johansson. But that would have been a great role for you, too. And a, and a, and a slam dunk big role. Mm -hmm. But you had to turn it down because you're so fucking busy that you were doing Gulliver's Travels at that point. No, no, no. I, I actually do want to clean up the story on Gulliver's Travels. I was contracted to do Gulliver's Travels. I didn't want to do Gulliver's Travels. Oh, you didn't want to? No, I you wanted not. to be. You wanted to be an Iron Man? No, I actually, to be very honest with you, I wasn't sure about the realm of the superhero world, if that was for me, and I'm still not sure about it, to be honest with you. So it was a two-pronged thing, but the Gulliver's thing was a... Um, I basically, when I did The Devil Wears Prada, I had an optional picture deal and I turned down a couple of the suggestions for the optional pictures because I didn't like them. And at some point they just executed their optional picture. So it was a bit of a heartbreaker for me, to be honest with you. I've never even talked about it publicly, but it was a bit of a heartbreaker for me because 
I take such pride in the decisions that I make and it, they mean so much to me, the films that I do. So that was, that was tough. See, I don't know that about the movie business and that seems archaic. Well, to, to be me. honest, it doesn't, well, I think it is archaic. I don't think it happens anymore because you, you're going to have very unhappy actors on a set and that's not fun. And I, I know it happened to another actress, a karma on something else. And you just end up with this feeling of resistance and you're so I, I find I found it very difficult. Very Emily, difficult. is it difficult because you put so much thought into what you do as an actress? You know, you're not winging it. You're doing your homework and you're working hard at it. And your decisions in a way I remember always thinking to myself, Arnold Schwarzenegger is great because you know when he's going to be in an action film, he always picks these great action. I can trust him. In other words, yeah. the audience builds up a trust with you. They right. know if you pick a film, it might be something they're interested in just because it's you. And so you feel, I don't even understand how that happens. Because you do Devil Wears Prada, mm. the studio says, we'll give you this film, but you've got to promise promise us you'll do another film and make that decision in a certain amount of time. Is that is that the idea of it? Yeah, and they kind of have a bit of a hold over you. So there were other movies that I would want to do. And I'd say, but I really want to do this movie about young Victoria. And so at some point, I think it just became evident that I needed to get rid of this optional picture deal because it was going to just hang over me for a long time. And I didn't mm. want that. And ultimately, as hard as it was, I don't think anyone expected for the hand to be forced. I think you kind of like hope that it isn't. But it, it was, yes, I, I care deeply, very, very much about the choices I make. That's all I have are the choices that I make. Because after that, it's it's really left up to the gods, like what happens. And you, you, you usually don't really have any idea why a movie catches fire and why it doesn't. But no, I'm never left with a feeling of regret when I turn something down. It is, I know in 20 pages, if I love it, if I, it's ethereal as to why I like it. I don't know why I like it. I just love it. And I'm in or I'm out after 20 pages. So when you show up on the set of Gulliver's Travel, because you're a professional, you're going to do the best you possibly can. For sure. The, yeah, of course. Yeah. No, I was never look, looking like a slapped ass on set. I'm not. I would never, ever do that. And right. no, you, no one knew. And I, and I also didn't talk about it with right. anyone on set or anything because there were a lot of lovely people in it who were heaven to work with. And I actually had a, had a really good time. I had a laugh with all of them. But it irked my heart to for it to have happened in the first place but i ended up trying to i i will always try and make the best of any situation for sure i'm not Emily, be are you in. like me i sometimes think that people are more of a human being than they are like i'll go i know what i'll do i'll go to the head of the studio and i'll say listen mm. i only want to do good for you but i don't really <laughs> love the script gulliver's travels and i don't like the 17 other scripts you've sent over to me i'm not trying <laughs> to screw you but yeah. could you please understand that I that these aren't for me? Did, did you ever try to go and reason? Do you know, I wish I had. I wish I had, but I was much younger then. I was much younger and sort of in, more inexperienced. I would do it in a heartbeat now, and I know I would get somewhere. Because I right. think when you don't hide behind your agents and your lawyers, then they have to look at you like a human being, and they don't want to upset the talent. They don't want to upset the actors. I, I wish I'd had the guts to, but at the same time, I wanted to get rid of this optional picture. Wow. I've never heard about this. You see, I, there's so little I know about the optional picture thing. Yeah. And, you know, I guess when you sign... Honestly, you I go, don't think it happens anymore. It really doesn't happen. I mean, that was 10, 11 years ago. It was a long time ago. I mean, in a way, what a compliment. 
they're saying to you, okay, do Devil Wears Prada, but we love you so much. We we need to get another film out of you if we give you this this wonderful Honestly, when project. You, no, because when I, when I did the Devil Wears Prada contract, no one knew who I was and no one knew, knew if Devil Wears Prada was going to do well. I just think it was sort of one of those things that people did sometimes with it, people who were sort of more emerging. Like I, no one knew who I was before I did that film. So I, I think see if what you're, you're emerging, saying. They kind yeah. of want to bank on you maybe being good or maybe being worth doing another movie with. Now I get it. Their their yeah. philosophy is, hey, let's put her in Devil Wears Prada. If she because she blows up big in this movie, she's ours. now we've got <laughs> and she's ours. We got her for the next movie, and you yeah. sign it because you're like, I'm, I oh, I want to be. Yeah, I know this movie's going to be great, and I'm going to be good in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my God, what a disaster! What a, isn't it, <laughs> it treacherous? Do, do you ever stay up late at night and go? There have been so many landmines I could have stepped on in my career that could have screwed me up. Mm. Uh, I, I, or, or do you, do you not think I do that all the time in my career? I go, Oh my God. Oh my God. I had a nightmare. Like the, the other day I just had a panic attack that what if I hadn't taken this job at my first radio station? And what if I had been too scared? Yeah. And what if I, what if I, what if I, Oh I, yeah. I think about that all the time. Those kind of the what ifs and if onlys of life for sure. Yeah. Like I remember even for example, when I was 16, um, 15, 16, I was applying for A-level college, which we do in England. You, you do two years of the, you specialize in three, three subjects between the ages of 16 and 18. So you go to an A-level college and my sister, my older sister is one of these like supremely frighteningly intelligent people. And she was at the best school in London. She got into Westminster and it was just so academic. She did maths further, maths, biology, chemistry. She was extraordinary. And all I wanted to do was go to Westminster because that's where Fee had gone. And I, and I didn't get in. And I remember like reeling around the kitchen, like it's over. And like my mom was like, it's not like, it doesn't matter. You'll look back on this and things happen for a reason. So I go to this other college who had a great drama department. They then said to me, Hey, do you want to earn some money? Come and do this play at the Edinburgh theater festival this summer. And I said, yeah, that'd be great. And an agent came to see it and he's still my British agent. Wow. So it's just crazy. And I would never, that would never have happened if I got into that, gotten into that school. Yeah. And you start to think of alternate realities. Like I wouldn't yes. have had this career. Like my career is really important to me. You know, it's like, like this me was too. my life. Yeah. And I, you know, it, 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 I play that what if game and it drives me crazy. Don't um, do it. I know. Well, I'm trying not to. It, it, it leads me down a very dark <laughs> hole, you know. By the way, <laughs> when, speaking of Devil Wears Prada. Your husband has said that he loves that movie so much he saw it 25 times. Did yeah. You, yeah. Did you ever worry in the beginning of your relationship that maybe John was a stalker? Yeah, a creep. Yeah, creep. <laughs> He's like, I got to get the girl from Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, the only time I worried was when, when I realized he'd watched it so many times was there's a montage where Annie Hathaway's like walking down the street in various different fabulous outfits. And John was watching one day and he was looking at the screen, looking at the screen, looking at the screen. And then he went, and that's my favorite outfit. Like, and that's when you knew he'd seen it like a million times. I remember just looking at him. I was like, John, that is so lame that you know that. Thank God this movie Quiet Place was a hit. We'd have to get rid of John. It would be a whole big problem. You you know what, though? We did really well. We work really well together. We, that movie, the first and second one should have been sponsored by McAllen Whiskey. We drank a lot of whiskey. And any little kinks we'd iron out on the way to work. And I remember one 
whispered fight in a side room where I was disagreeing <laughs> with him about something. You know, one of those urgent whispered fights, you know, <laughs> you know that you think no one can hear. It right. was like one of those. Let like, me ask I you. you. I didn't want to do it like that. <laughs> I, you mean he tried to he tried to direct you and tell you how to do the scene? No, there was something about the, the, um, it was a very emotional scene. So I remember there was something about that he was going to start wide and, you know, you don't want to kind of run out of gas before they come to your close up. So I was like, can we just start close? You know, and then that was what we ended up having a squabble about. Isn't that, <laughs> isn't I that won. fantastic? <laughs> I know, but isn't that fantastic? That show biz, the two of you had a yeah. major fight over your close up and, <laughs> close and you up. know, but you're right. <laughs> Why wouldn't, why wouldn't John start on your close-up? That's the money shot. You want that. Because he was a, trying to do a one because he's very fancy with the camera. And I was like, oh. don't be fancy on this scene. Be Let me ask you an acting question. Go on. So one of the themes of the movie, okay, I was wondering this. One okay. of the themes of movies are, okay, these horrible monsters have invaded Earth. I'll call them monsters. We don't know if they're aliens from another planet we don't know if there's something that emerged from the ocean we don't know what the fuck they are <clears throat> yeah as an actress do you have to create a backstory where you go not that we are entitled to see it but you go as my character i have a theory that these monsters came from outer space and they're very smart and they're trying to take over the planet and they're going to eat us all or something do you have to create some kind of reality that your character believes i am not usually that interested in context of things like i'm not because the movie is like a runaway train and also they 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 invade that's all you have to know they invade did they come from out of space you. did you ever ask john did you ever say john where the fuck do these aliens I mean, I, what are these I things i think the assumption is that yes i mean they didn't come from here so i would assume they came from out of space and you you yeah, see there's a, you see a flash in the sky yeah so let's just so assume I, they come from out of space but uh, i don't think you need to get into the nitty-gritty of the why and the facts and all that because then you get into all that scientific jargon the audience is like <sighs> like who cares right. like they invade they want to kill you don't make any noise you're dead how do you survive like that's what's interesting that's, that's what's what great about, about it. it. I don't want don't any. No, you don't. Need you don't to know. know. Yeah, you I don't, don't want any nonsense. Know. You don't need to know. And actually, I remember talking to Chris McQuarrie, who was one of the writers on um, Edge of Tomorrow. He was the main writer. And I think we were sort of encouraged to do a scene where we describe the aliens. And he was like, I can't stand that scene because you don't need it. You don't need to know what they do. We don't need to know. So I think he really liked that about Quiet Place, that we didn't explain anything. Emily, yeah, you know what right. movie I haven't seen of yours that what? that you know that made a ton of money? The one you did with Tom Cruise for some you reason. You haven't seen that movie. I've never You'd seen like that movie. It. Oh I yeah. Mean, do you like I, action movies? Do you like? I yes, love action yeah. movies, and, and I don't know. Like yeah. And I don't know how I've missed that film. And, Tom is and, so brilliant in it. He's so brilliant because he's there's nothing about that. He's not the earnest action hero. He's a total coward. He's funny. He's like Wiley e. Coyote. He's so good in it. It's my gonna, favorite thing he's done. I'm going to um, rent that movie or however the hell you have to get it. I'm going to get it this <laughs> <Okay>. weekend. <laughs> the cassette. I, no, I really that's a movie <laughs> that I would dig now. Now, now, let me ask him as an actress, when you get a movie like that with Tom Cruise, which is almost, yeah. you know, right away, you know, it's going to be a hit because this guy is such a box office draw. Does yeah. that make, you know, you've said that like when you hosted Saturday Night Live, 
that was um, the most nervous you've ever been right before you go out. And and, and yeah. you, you even said somewhere that there was a vomit bucket that they have. I didn't know this. There's a vomit bucket yeah. right on the side of the of the uh, of the stage. Like before right, you walk right out. by the door before it slides open. There's a vomit bucket. Vomit, vomit, vomit. A vomit, vomit, vomit bucket. <laughs> a vomit bucket. And I so, said to Dawn, yes. who's this amazing woman who sort of hoists you around the place and like wrestles you into various wigs and costumes. She was rubbing my back. She had these fabulous big hands. It was like rubbing my back. And she was like, okay, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're all right. You're all right. You're all right. And you can hear them announcing it. And my whole body was shaking. And I said, what's that for? And she goes, that's for, that's a, that's a, that's a puke bucket. And I said, well, when someone's thrown up and she goes, they have. When somebody stands there and rubs your back, that would make me more nervous and be like, shut no, up. No, I love leave it. me alone. I, no, I need, I need to be held. I need someone to catch me and like hold me for sure. That vomit bucket. Did they tell you who has thrown up into that vomit bucket before <laughs> no, they walked No, I really out? want to know. Wouldn't you like to know? I want to know. Yes. I think you do know. I think you're, you're just. No, too, I really um, don't. Nice. I didn't have, I was trying not to throw up. I was trying not to speak. If I'd had, if I'd said, who was it? Probably would have puked in it myself. But I, I would think. Going on set with a guy who is successful like Tom Cruise would be uh, on the yeah. nervous meter. I would think, although maybe well, you're so comfortable on a movie set that it wasn't a big deal. Like you just no, no, go in no, and do I your was very, very No, that, that one I was scared for. And I had to get into this um, sort of crazy physical shape for it because she's supposed to be this lethal warrior. So I was in training for three months beforehand and I know that he, you know, is big into doing his own action. And I thought, well, I'm going to have to try and keep up and do all of that. But I was bricking it. I was scared. I also was scared that I thought it was going to be boys club. You know, it was all male producers, male director, male writers, Tom Cruise, male cast predominantly. Mm. And that's usually, to be honest, that's been my experience with a bunch of movies I've done. It's been quite dominated, male dominated. But this one... I did not, it was one of the first experiences I've had where I was completely brought into the fold creatively and I was in every script meeting and every single change that was made and I was treated like gold on it, even though my body was like battered around every day on that movie and I still have an injury from it, but it was an, an amazing experience. The hardest thing I've ever done, but it was amazing. In other words, it's scary for an actress, for a woman to go on a set. Yeah in a traditionally male run business and you go on the set and there's a big actor involved and as the lead mm. or the director's a man, everyone from the mm -hmm. studio, there's so many men that it actually on some films, those guys get together in a little think tank after every little shot, after every little right. scene, they have a collaboration and you're sort of stuck sitting on the sidelines and not included. Is that what you're saying by Boys Club? Well, I was nervous that might happen, and it right. really didn't. Like it's happened all. to you, though. It's happened to you. Very, very early on, but it doesn't happen anymore. Is it the worst feeling in the world, I'm talking about professionally, that you just feel like, oh, why are they treating me like this? Why, why don't they think my ideas are interesting to discuss? Well, you know, honestly, it, it happened so early on that, again, I just sort of accepted it and normalized it. But... I am aware that in general, I'm sure Robin, you probably have, have experienced this too. It's like as a woman, 
you can get what you want and you can get your point across, but you got to dance around a bit more. And I still feel that there's a sort of need to slightly contort and accommodate and make sure you can be really nice about it. And like, you can't be too direct because if you're too direct. Well, then you're ambitious. God forbid you sound ambitious or sort of tough, you know? So I always get there now. And I feel I can be much more direct now and it won't be taken the wrong way. It will just be accepted as like, no, I'm not throwing weight around. I'm just telling you this is not how it's going to go. But now I think I've earned my stripes creatively as well. So everything I do going forward now, I will produce it because then they have to listen. But I come with ideas. I will rewrite scenes and people are very open to it now. Um, and, but it's happening think- gradually. I don't, I don't think anything has felt sort of, nothing has felt like a big leap, but I remember on edge of tomorrow feeling very, very respected by those guys. And it was made me think, well, I should probably ask for this going forward. When a movie's so big, like uh, that with Tom Cruise, has he ever asked you to do a sequel? Is there a talk of such a thing? Uh, we wanted to, honestly, I think the movie's too expensive. Is Honestly, that what it is? I just don't know how. Yeah, I, I don't know how we're going to do it. And I think that it's hard to align everyone's schedules. And I would love it. Doug Lyman would love it. Tom would love it. We'd, we'd all love to do it. But I don't See, I think until we figure out what's going on with the industry. Honestly, I think we need to figure out what is the next roadmap for the kinds of films that people want to make. You're right. You just hit it on the head. Until we figure out. What's going on with the industry? Because I'm, I think that a lot of these big blockbusters, these expensive films to make might be a thing of the past because the studios don't know how they're going to make their money back if they can't get movies into the theater, you know, even with this film. Well, yes, but at the same time, I think what they're figuring out is that streaming is very lucrative for them because when a movie comes out in the movie theaters, they have to give half of the box office to the movie theaters. That's true. So for a studio, like everyone's just trying to figure out the new avenues of revenue for each other. So it's it's, it's really like the wild, wild west and no one knows what to do right now. Everyone's yeah, it's even like, crunching numbers. Yeah, like putting Quiet Place 2 together now. You know, you don't know what's a good box office for this thing. If you make $14 million, it could be a big success because no, you know, people are scared to go to the movie theaters with the pandemic and everything else. And that's a bit of a heartbreaker because this is a this is a big film. And yeah, I guess if they put it on streaming, though, everyone will see it, you know, so. But the it, thing is, we we have just seen, like, with all the movies that are coming out, how much people are flooding back. So I don't right. worry about it. And I think if you're nervous and you don't want to, the good news is in six weeks time, it will be on these streamers. So right. I don't think it's any bad thing to truncate the um, release of a movie in theaters because some people might not feel comfortable yet. I think the vast majority of people are wanting to get back. And the interesting thing that happened with movie theaters that didn't happen with restaurants was because no studio wanted to run the risk of bringing their babies out. Um, it became this cyclical thing that, oh, theaters are unsafe. Theaters are unsafe. It's like, well, are they any more unsafe than planes or restaurants or right. anything like that? But it became this vicious circle of like, no one wanted to run the risk. So then right. there was nothing to see at the movie theaters. So it was just, yeah. it was wild. And that's partly why John was like, I think we just have to get people back. <laughs> like, we've got to try. Oh, I, I think, think the worst to torture it. in the world is when you know you've made something good. I, the thing I mm. loved about radio, whenever I thought of something really cool that I wanted to do on the radio, I could do it the next day. I could get it out. It's almost yeah. like a compulsion. And it, John spent so much time dreaming up the sequel. 
Sure. And then, you know, getting you available to do it and this and that and everything and putting it all <laughs> and together. I'm never available. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not. You're busy. Just you're you're, you're me a busy to woman. Stay married to him so we could do another one, all of that. No, but, but, but I can imagine the utter frustration. Then, then they close it down and now you guys have been sitting with this finished film that you love yeah. for a year and no one was able to release it. And then you sit and worry, oh my God, what if somebody bootlegs this thing and it gets out and, and it's going to ruin mm -hmm. it? it, it it's, a, it's a neurotic mess is really yes. what it is, to be perfectly it, it, honest. At, at, at times it was. I feel like you would definitely have found it a neurotic mess. I feel like that yes. this would have kept you up, right? Oh, I would have killed myself. Because you don't have the power and you don't have the immediacy of being able to be like, I'm bringing it out tomorrow and I don't care and I can talk about it. So were, yes, yes, it was a great uh, uh, practice of surrender for both of us. And John is yeah. weirdly very pragmatic though, much more so than me. He was like, "It's we will wait. You just wait. You just wait, 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 and it will come back. Good for him. I mean, seriously, I good know. for him. I mean, he there did were not times lose sleep over it like that. He didn't. Have I would come up with ideas sometimes, the, and I what? Yeah, I, I, I have mean, been watching go ahead, the Robert. box office of of foreign films, and because they've been having great responses mm. to films, sure, in, you know, in Asia and so forth, where theaters yes. are open, has that been encouraging? Very, very, and and I think what happened with um. You know, I mean, we're inundated with it. With you know, your agent calls you, your lawyer calls you, institution calls there you. Were, there like, were times we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. You know, Emily, you just, it's were, all people call us about. Emily, yeah. there were times in my career where I had an idea, and I would sit there and go, "I got to get this right on the radio because what if somebody else thinks of this and they get it on mm. first? Like it was that neurotic, and like that's what why kind I, of idea? But what if it, if it's um, coming from your brain? Why would you worry about anyone else coming up with it? It's because a lot of this stuff that I would write would be topical. And so okay. it was a take on the, the news or a take on this. And I'd say, I got to get, I, I mean, I sometimes I couldn't sleep at night. That's why I think I know mm -hmm. your pain in this and John's pain in this. Because especially when you have a great idea, you want to get it out. And this film was made. And to sit with it for a year is mind-blowing. Now, here's the big thing. Here's the Go big on. thing everyone wants to know. Is it true? <laughs> Drum roll. Bye, everyone. Is it Thanks true? You. The, um, I am a big fan of Fantastic Four. You've heard the rumors that you and John, what do you mean? Don't make a face. That you and John are going to be, uh, Reed Richards and his wife Sue in the Fantastic Four movie, which I think would be a great idea. They, I don't think they've ever made the great. <laughs> See, I think you're, I think, I think you're trying to split us up. I think you're encouraging us to work together more. And no. More. Be Why like, I see, and you can that? turn to Beth and be like, I told you, I told you, they couldn't no. do it. They well, yes, you have. So I can be right, right with Beth. You two have to break up because I've got a good track <laughs> exactly. record on these things. No, 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 um, no, no. No, that but, is fan casting. That, and no one has received a phone call. That is all, um, that's just people saying, wouldn't that be great? And, and uh, that's it. No one has received In a way, message. are you too good of an actress to really participate? That. Are you That's... too good of an actress? It's, it's all right. It's not. It's not going to bring you uh, bad luck. If are you too good of an actress to really take that role seriously? No. In other words. Um, maybe that's why you don't even reject, re react to this Black Widow thing that you could have been the Black Widow in Iron Man and that could have been your franchise and blah, 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 blah. Because in a way, you know, maybe the whole genre of superhero movies is beneath you. It's not Honestly. that it's beneath me. It's not, it's not that because I love Iron Man and I 
when I got off of Black Widow, I was obsessed with Iron Man. I wanted to do, I wanted to work with Robert Downey Jr. It would have been amazing. Yes. But I don't, of all the superheroes like that, that is my favorite one. And it's partly because of him and his incredible performance in it. But I don't know if superheroes are for me. They're not, I'm, they're not up my alley. Really? I don't, I don't, I don't like them. I really don't. You don't like the superheroes or is it that because I know a lot of women I speak to I think we're it's not just, into comics. It's, it's been exhausted. I think it's just that we are inundated. It's not only all the movies, it's the endless TV shows as well. And it's not to say that I would never want to play one. It would just have to be something so cool and like a really cool character. And then I'd be interested. But in general, I don't race to see superhero movies and maybe because I feel they leave me feeling a bit cold. I can't explain it. I'm not, I can't get in there. I can't get in. Well, the good ones are actually, you know, when you saw the Joker and the brilliant Listen, performance. But I don't consider that a superhero. Like, and I love the Dark Knight. I just thought it was phenomenal. But I just, I think the ones that are a bit poppier and more, so they're, they're not for me. They're not for me. Well, what would be for you is what Robert Downey, Robert Downey Jr. to me, is one of yeah. our greatest actors. He really, he really truly is. is. He, yeah. He's a brilliant, brilliant guy. And, and, and he's a brilliant guy even off camera. I mean, I've spent time with him and I think he's just a bright guy. And if you got a chance, who cares that it's a superhero movie? Mm -hmm. If you got a chance to do a meaty role, like, like what Robert Downey Jr. did with um, Tony Stark, he made that guy a real character. He, you know, he made you care about him. I For think sure. he should have... I think he should have been nominated for an Academy Award. And I told absolutely, him that. Absolutely. Absolutely right? he should have been. For sure. I don't know why these big movies are overlooked sometimes because there's sometimes just such extraordinary performances within them. And it's really hard to make a great big movie. It's in some ways, you know, the smaller movies that can be extraordinary and beautiful or sort of wrist slashing. But the smaller movies are sort of, there's an allowance, there's room. You can carve out easier space for yourself to be recognized in, in a, in a, in a good way. I think it's really hard to make a big event theatrical movie that people, everyone goes to see. And I think that they're overlooked too much. And it was wrong. When Martin Scorsese started to criticize those movies and he said they're not cinema. Well, you that's not fair. It's not yeah. fair. Right. And I know Robert tried to, he, he said to me, ah, you know, it's Martin Scorsese. He can say whatever. I go, no, that's not fair. Your acting in there was fabulous. Who cares what it is as long as the acting is fabulous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and here's a role I bet you were, you, you probably <laughs> wish you would have had. You would have been good in this. The, the, the thing that came out on Netflix with the chess, the woman sure. who played chess. I can't think of the name of the movie. Oh, Ooh, Queen's, uh, Gambit. Queen's Gambit. Queen's Gambit. Did you love that? I loved it. I love her. You loved in it. it. She's terrific. It. And what about this, uh, The Crown? You got to love these actors. Loved it. It's Mainlined amazing. It. Right? I love The Crown. I, I love I want Peaky more. Blinders. I love. Yes. Oh, great. Yes. Oh, come on. I mean, there's a that lot show of good stuff. Is... When you see those shows, yeah. do you as an actor say, hmm, if I <laughs> was in The Crown and I was playing Margaret Thatcher, or blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I would have done it like this. <laughs> what? Yes. Do you ever say that? No. No. What do you? And what no. do you? Do Do you ever go to a movie and say that 
actress is stinking up the film. She oh. is ruining an no. otherwise good film. Why? No, because I know how hard it is. And I, I remember a while ago we were talking, who was it? There was this director. Who are we talking to? I think John was talking to Paul Thomas Anderson, who is his hero. He loves Paul. And I think John had said he wasn't sure about a film he'd seen because it was, it, and it was a big swing of a film. And I remember we were both like, I didn't really like it. And Paul goes, don't say that. Don't, because those big swings, we need people to take them. You got to get people to take those big swings. Otherwise it's so easy to critique, right? It's so easy to be like, I don't, I don't like it. And then it's just like, it's so damning. People could easily say that about films that I've done. So I, I, I do try to remember that because a lot of the time you make them with the best intentions and maybe it's not the right role for you and maybe the movie doesn't support the performance or maybe the you know there could be other things that throw me about a film but i really try not to um i i i yeah i just try not to shit talk other movies that much because i know how hard it is to make a good movie well maybe it's not shit talk maybe it's you as a professional saying you know, geez, there's some performances that are just not good. And, and this person isn't nailing it the right way. I don't, I don't know that it's shit talk. I think yeah. it's something you can't avoid. You're an actress and you're constantly evaluating. I mean, yeah. when you learn to act, when you, when you learn to act, don't you have to somehow make a judgment? Don't you have to say, here are the people I want to be like, you know, mm -hmm. these, these are the performances I want to emulate. You do have to make a value judgment. You, you, you have to decide. Well, I know what moves me, right? So I know when I'm watching a film, there are just performances that I watch that make me kind of go, and I like lean in and you're just like, you're pulled in. It's like you get kidnapped by the movie or by the performance. You're completely kidnapped by it. And it's so thrilling. And I learned so much from those people. Who and are the people that you love? Who are the ones that taught you and what are their oh roles? What, what, are there a couple that stand out in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I've worked, I know she rolls her eyes because everyone says it, but I've worked with Meryl three times and I just find her completely riveting. Like, I just, I love being in a scene with her. I love watching her. I love her old movies. I love her recent movies. I just think she's, she's just this chameleon-like weirdo who can do anything. And I just think she's amazing. So I love her. And it her. makes you a better actress, right? Because it does. You, yeah, because she, yeah, if it you're does. in a scene with her, she sucks you in it's almost like you know what to do based on her she's a bit of a wild animal like it's sort of different every time and so i remember on devil wears prada she you know i remember that first scene with her i actually fell over in the scene she was throwing so many props at me the, the coat the clipboard the this that and she was like throwing all this stuff at me and i fell over in the scene because i was trying to keep up with her <laughs> so it was just it was just really kind of thrilling to work with her i love working with benicio i've worked with him twice he's he's mad as well like every choice is so strange and left of center and and Benicio and del Toro yeah just yeah. heaven and he's so one of my favorite people in the business and in in life and one of my favorite people to work with but so, there's so, so many people I want to work with so when you work with The Rock on yes. um uh the Disney Jungle great actor. yeah great one of the greatest actors <laughs> you know I've ever what? seen Go you ahead. know what, you guys, and let me just speak about my friend here, because okay. he is one of my favorite people on earth, number one. Right. But I will tell you something that people don't know about DJ. And the interesting thing is that when you do meet him and you sort of meet that 
I mean, I honestly, when I first met him, I was like, he's going to be like his Instagram personality, all big and bombastic. And to the right. point where when I met him, I went, hey, like really big, <laughs> like thinking I should like please him and like match his personality. It was right. so embarrassing. And he literally went, hi, how are you? How are you? And like quiet, shy, a bit aloof, a bit tentative, the most polite man I have ever met in my life is Dwayne Johnson. So when you see him do The Rock, I said to him, I was like, that's the performance of a lifetime. He is the antithesis of who you are. And I so think sometimes DJ gets yes. like slammed into these movies that are sort of, I think in the past he's been put in these movies because he doesn't look like anyone, right? So he can't come and do the Western with me, right? He can't no. come and do that. He can't do Remains of the Day. So he gets put in these movies that that is sort of to accommodate his sort of colossal size or image. And yet there was something about what he did in Jungle Cruise because he plays this sort of surly, sarcastic, unpredictable, unreliable. It's a real character. It's a real performance. So for me, I only experienced that with him and I loved it. He's a joy. But when they say to you, hey, how about doing this movie with The Rock? You might have hesitation because before you knew him, you might say, gee, this guy was from the wrestling world. And I understand he's got big muscles and he has a certain look and he has a certain ability to do action films. And that I But you might also, yeah, he does how to raise one eyebrow. But, you know, in a way, you've got to be careful in those situations because, again, if you, know you get You know what's funny in is I remember watching him in Get Smart and being like, oh, my God, he's so funny. And I remember seeing him in Jumanji and... And so for me, I was always like, oh, that'd be fun. And for right. me, I grew up watching those movies, those Romancing the Stones, the, the uh, Indiana Jones. Like, and honestly, when I got sent the script, I was like, let's see. Cause they're like, it's so Indiana Jones, Romancing the Stones. I was like, I've heard this pitch before when these movies are supposed to be emblematic of those films that are my heart and soul. That was my nostalgic childhood. So when I read it, I was like, they really are right. This is so beautiful. It's so deep and fun and big. And I just fell madly in love with it. You just said something so interesting. You said, when I met The Rock, what? I, yeah. this is what you said. And I, and I, I got to ask you about it. <laughs> when I met The Rock, I was like, oh, maybe I'll fall into his energy and try to match his energy. Right. In a sense, Emily, have you lost as an actress? A sense and I've of always self? wondered that. Yes. Because do you find yourself, even in real life, <laughs> using your skills as an actor to mm -hmm. sort of people please, to fall into their rhythm, that that in a way you stop sometimes even knowing who you really are? Hmm. So it's a two answer to that. I think I'll always try because I've learned to watch people so closely and I love people. I love tricky people. I love all the weirdos. I like trying to break them. I want to break them. I want to be friends with them. So I see it as a bit of a challenge, even when people are like, oh God, don't work with that person. They're supposed to be awful. I'm like, no, I'm going to be, I'm going to break them. So I find a way in. I want to find a way in. I'm really curious Why? about people because I fucking love people. I want to know all of their weird idiosyncrasies. I want to know the shadows of their lives. I want to know why. Why the do you way think that are. is? Why do you want to know that? So I don't know. I'm, fascinated i love it it's what i love Do about the job i love it too but i think it's because i have there's i'm a chameleon i don't know the real me 
I have spent a no, lifetime. No, you're always you. That's complete rubbish. You never change. That's not no, true. I, no, I don't. I'm not even sure what I am. And it's as a as a person, I, I'm always probing to try to figure <laughs> out how do some people just know who the fuck they are, you know? And so maybe yeah. it says something about you. I don't know. I'm always refreshed when I meet people who are just authentically, truly themselves and unwaveringly. Because I think I'm sort of waveringly myself. Like, I will definitely try and find a way in. Because I also want to have the best experience with someone. And I want to find the best version of them. And that, in turn, helps me. Because I can't work in a contentious environment. I hate conflict. I ne I hate to argue with people. And I don't work well in toxic environments. So I will just do everything I can. I'll bend over backwards to make sure it's not that way. Why do you, even why, on Gulliver's Travels? Even on Gulliver's Travels, you did your best. <laughs> well, I still have trouble believing that you grew up a stutterer. I've listened. Yeah. I said I am going to listen to this woman talk for an hour, <laughs> and I don't hear a fumper. That stutter. Right? I don't hear an awe. I don't hear a hesitation. No. I, is it fair to say you are completely uh, cleared of being a stutterer? So the interesting thing is that. It only arises in certain situations. So if, for example, something, if I have to pitch an idea and all I have is the reliance on my voice and it's pressurized, pressurized. See, listen, now I'm talking about it. Now I'm going <laughs> yeah, to make you crazy. It's, yeah. it, no, it is what happens is as soon as I start thinking about it. But pressurized environments make me nervous. And I, it, it, that will usually. Look, see what's happening. Look what you've done to yes. me. Now I'm I, I screwed you up. So you that were doing happens. So well. You did screw me up. But, <laughs> yeah. And then I, I know I stuttered a lot when I was pregnant because you have no whim to breathe. And so that happened. Mm. And if I'm really, really wrecked tired, I will stutter. And I still stutter on the phone every single time if I'm calling someone and they say, because the thing about stutterers is, right, you cannot substitute your name. So what stutterers do all the time is if a sound is harder to say, you flip-flop all the time in your head. So instead of like, can I have the salt? You'd be like, well, can is really hard for me as well. So may you pass the salt. So you're constantly doing this sort of gymnastics in your head to substitute words to keep your flow as even as possible. Because you can feel it coming up. Like as, you've, as you're coming up to something, you can feel, oh, this is going to trip me. This is going to be shit. I can't get through this sentence. So you'll flip it quickly. And you get very dexterous at it so that you don't ever appear to stutter. Um, but you can't substitute your name. So when I call someone, there's the pressure of like, fuck, I have to say, I, there is no way around this. I will not be able to get past this. So really? I'll call an office and be like, Hey, can I speak to Mr. Henderson or whatever? And they're like, can I say who's calling? And I will every time go, Emily Blunt. <laughs> Like that. It's real. That's amazing. There's this that, that, lethal pause. And then people go, are you still there? Like, it's awful. Because and you I feel just, on your own name, you're going to stutter. Because I will. Because I do. So now hmm. it's like I can't stop the record skipping. And now every time I'm calling and I know I have to say my name, I'm screwed. Because I anticipate. And as you know, with any anxiety, it's all in the anticipation. Usually you're fine. Well, but if maybe, I anticipate it being a nightmare, it's going to be bad. Maybe we just change your name and everything will be solved. Mm -hmm. That's it. You know what I mean? Every Call time. You. What would be easier? Actually, Howard is a, a nice, name. easy name. Howard. Yes. How about, how about the name? It's nice. How, how about the name Can Sue? you hear that drilling? Yes. Oh my God, how about drilling. the name Sue Reed? 
you could no. change your name too. I think you'd be great. Sureen. Oh, oh my God, that, Bree. Oh, do you from, think you could stop them drilling? Um, you know what you do? You need to stop them drilling. I'm sorry. Go yell out Can the window and tell it? them stuff. Yeah. Wait, no, it's not fine. bad. Not bad. You, so you need a nickname it. like The Rock. That's what you need. Yes. <laughs> That's it. What could my nickname be? All right. Here is the big question. What could your nickname okay. be? Hmm. Yeah. I got to. There's got to be one that. word you know you don't want. By the, the way, when you, you were, could you do something with blunt because that's like an easy name well, to do you, something. You mentioned this the last time you were on. You said when you were a kid, yeah. you got teased all the time because For blunt sure. rhymed with cunt, and people would call yes. you Emily Cunt, which <laughs> yes. is like crazy. I mean, you know what? It's almost too no, easy. No, it was like so easy. That's when you know yeah. you're growing up when you get called blunt pencil when you're a kid, and then suddenly they're like blunt cunt. You're like, oh my god, like this is the worst name ever. But I remember when I wanted to be an actress, they were like. I remember my agent being now, now, you know, make a decision on the name and what do you think? And I think you should keep it. And I thought, thought at the time, oh, I should have a prettier sounding name. Maybe I should have something a bit more sort of actory sounding, you know. Yeah. I remember my dad being like, please don't change your name. And I'm really happy that I didn't because it, it sticks in the mind. And I like no, it. And you know what else? You have the best revenge for all the people that called you cunt. For all those now- cunts. Yeah, for all those puns, they go, they go now. Hey, that Emily Blunt, like they know it's you. Oh no, it's success. Blunt now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it's Blunt yeah. now. Can it's you imagine? Blunt to you. If you became the cunt, like the Rock, and then you'd be like, "Hi, uh, Steven Spielberg calling for the cunt." Listen, <laughs> it would I be think really we good. Pitch, we should pitch this to Disney for the poster. They will love it. It's right up oh. there, sort of. <laughs> you, optics, right? you would be the biggest thing ever. Jungle Cruise Listen. starring The Rock and The Cunt. I mean, it would yes. be so good. The Rock and The Cunt. I love it. In fact, you should get top billing. The Cunt. Now that you're The Cunt, The Cunt yes. and The Rock. <laughs> or I don't know what that is. Is that happen. a crunt? I don't know what it is. Yeah, the crunt. Well, that's you and John. You That's it. Crunt. That's what I yeah, called us. Crunt. Well, yeah, people crunt. were trying to come up with our names, and they were calling us Bluntinsky, and I thought, no. That's so we called ourselves <laughs> the Crunts, and we the sign crunts. we sign our Christmas card from the Crunts. It's too good. All right. The final question really is okay. Based on everything you said, I'm putting together a tough one, and I don't want you to oh. back out of the answer. You're on a boat, <sighs> and the boat is sinking. And there are okay. two men in this boat with you. One is Benicio Del Toro, a great actor <laughs> by your own admission. And the other one is The Rock. One yeah. of them has to be thrown off in order to survive. Just like in your movie, In a Quiet Place 2. I can't Some people do that. Throw one over. Who is it? I'm going to have to throw Benicio because I know he can swim. And I feel like DJ would just sink. He literally will sink. <laughs> like he's so huge. Oh my! He God. has no fat. He, he has, he's dense. He would go down. Well, I hate to tell you, you know what the uh, the headline in the paper is going to be tomorrow. The cunt says what? kill Benicio Del Toro. <laughs> <laughs> but I did say he wild. was my favorite, my favorite, favorite actor to work with. So listen, I'm absolved. Did, it's all right. I'm, I'm just curious. Uh, how is Ralph Sorolla telling me he saw Quiet Place 2? The movie opens The movie opens. Yeah, how did tomorrow. he get a copy? Who's no. Ralph? Who's Ralph? Ra- Ralph's my friend. Ralph, how did you see Quiet Place 2? I'm Ralph. Uh, hey now. Hey, <laughs> no, really, I saw the premiere. Like, I, I saw oh. it. It was the last thing. I, oh. Yeah. I didn't know There was a premiere. And I'm so glad. What's that? Yes, there yes, was a premiere, yeah. And you saw the movie and you loved it, right? It was a great movie. 
I loved it, and that's the way to see it in the theaters. I mean, I was so going to say it is it cinematic. Way. It needs to be on a big screen. It's so beautifully done. Yeah. Thank well, you. Well, I'll tell you Ralph. what. I have a yeah, big screen. Great. I have. Thank you, Ralph. I have a big screen in my house that I put in. To, I don't. Really, I'm embarrassed to tell you how much money I did, and they sent <laughs> me the film to watch, and yeah. I sit down to watch it, and of course, my my screen doesn't work. Forget it. <laughs> it, it. I had sound, oh, no. no audio. And I said to Beth, we got to see the movie. Emily's coming on the show. So I had to go to my smaller TV. Mm. And the moral of that story is don't put in one of these expensive uh, home theaters. They never no. work. Well, not, my, not yours. I haven't seen other people's work. Not mine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you did. <laughs> Emily Blunt, you've done it again. You have charmed my audience. With your Aww. grace and beauty, I mean, what a catch you were. That John Krasinski, I always say it, what <laughs> a lucky enough, son of a bitch. You know, he knew. Oh, I can only imagine what it's like to be married to Emily Blunt. One day she's all playing <laughs> Mary Poppins. She's probably a great mom. She's doing it all. Oh, darling, I'm going to uh, be in a movie for the next six months, but we'll all move to Spain. I don't Spain. like hearing you do me. I don't like hearing you do I'm me. I'm so bad with accents. You're so good. I saw a clip of you on the internet. All your various yeah. appearances, like uh, you were on Ellen DeGeneres yeah. and she had you do the Boston accent, she had you do the Australian accent, and you did them all. I mean, do you it, know why it, I like doing accents? Is because is because I stuttered as a kid, so I'd speak in funny voices, so I could speak better. My uh, favorite is I do the Boston accent. When I do my Ted Kennedy impression, I go like this. You ready? Yeah. Sir. Emma, this is Ted Kennedy. Hello. <laughs> Everything That's really is really good. Emma go. is the, is Emma, the Emma, this is Emma. Ted Kennedy. Emma. <laughs> Little tip for you when you're next acting expert. So you're in Spain. Emma into everything. Yeah. Here's what we learned. Yeah. A number one headline, your new nickname is Kant, which is crazy. <laughs> it's terrible. Which is crazy. It's terrible. Number two. It's crazy. Number two, you explained The Rock to me. You explained that Tom Cruise is a great guy. You know, Seth Rogen was, wrote a book he was on yesterday. He had a weird Tom Cruise story in his book, you know, where Tom was trying to get him into Scientology and stuff. Yet you say you've never oh experienced that. You've never had no, any. No, never. Uh, none of that. Never. Easy. My God, okay. never. No, no, no. Now, do you wonder why he didn't try to recruit you? He, made, no, he didn't like Emily that much. <laughs> what an insult. He didn't want me. He didn't want me. Isn't that an <laughs> insult? <laughs> I was... <laughs> Emily, when you work with Tom Cruise and he doesn't recruit you for Scientology, do you feel like, hey, what the fuck is wrong with me? Does that mean that I'm just like a B person? I'm like a B. Yes. You know. Yeah. I mean, maybe he uh, just thought I was a cunt. Maybe he just did. Maybe. He was the first That's one. The word. He's the one who coined this phrase. The cunt. Yes. Yeah. I, so we've learned so much. But what we mostly learned is, and, and we know this, unlike Oliver's Travels, you love the script for A Quiet Place too. And you've done a yes. wonderful job with this. Your husband came through and wrote a great script and directed. Who knew? Who believed in him? You. So there you go. And now I believe in him. He's terrific. We and he's terrific. <laughs> and he's ter We all do. Now you made us a believer. And, and, and we love him as Tom Ryan also on Amazon. Uh, I got to say Ryan. that. Yikes. Jack it's not Ryan. Tom Ryan. Yes. Is what Jack did I Ryan. say? He loves him as Tom, Tom Ryan. Ryan. I like Tom Ryan. I saw him in that. <laughs> but Jack Ryan. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. So uh, you know, Emily, I remember I actually I ran into you. Go yeah. on, Robin. Go on. I want to know, do you find Howard? Yes. You must he be fascinated. 
Yeah. Have you know, like seeing him in person in a in a you know non show it's, situation? Do you mean yeah. does she think about me sexually? Yes, she's admitted no. that. To me I do, and I always have done, and I did every no, time it. I saw you on holiday. But <laughs> yeah. but I did. <laughs> no, for me, how it is. So when you said I don't know who I am, I don't agree with you because I find you to be, you know, I know you've got the persona that everyone likes to see you as and they that that's their template for who Howard Stern is but I think you're a delight I think you're genuinely curious it's not just because you're nosy and it's not just because you're you don't know who you are I think you genuinely are really interested I love talking to you off radio and I love talking to you on radio and thank you I think you're a doll I really do I, I really love you I really think you're a doll I love talking to you I, it's hard for me to believe that anyone loves me, but I'm, I'm not used to that. But thank you for loving me. And I'll tell you the truth. When we were together on holiday, as you say, I call it vacation. I, uh, well, but listen, I'm a, I'm a slob. I, um, I didn't think you liked me that much, honestly, Why? when we had our moments alone. I don't know. You no. didn't, um, I didn't think you wanted to. I don't know. I, I you know, like I'm you very kept insecure. Yourself to yourself. No, but you, it- you, you invented your own thing. You guys were asleep by eight. I, that's when I stopped <laughs> Like, you guys were like doing your own thing. And so, and I like that about you as well. There's something very beautiful and united about you and Beth together. But well, like, I told you, truly, I, told- I mean, we were all just being idiots and you were being like, a dad and going adult? to bed at eight. <laughs> well, was the Jimmy, adult? I mean, you're so well behaved. No, it's so terrible. You know, Emily is much younger than I am, and and you know, and Jimmy and Molly were there, and uh, at the time, you know, you know, you know, it was crazy. And these these characters. They stay up till midnight or one in the morning <laughs> yes. and two in the morning and they drink and they carry on. You have no idea with real Emily no, Blunt is. I've it seen was her in action. And so, listen, he's really seen it. So you yes. would, we would be staggering to bed as you were sort of just fresh as a daisy and you'd be having your green juice and going for a walk with Beth. And I was like, God, I can't do that. Well, you I know, know. To, I didn't know how to. I listen. I didn't know how to identify with you on vacation. I like talking to you in a restaurant, but I don't. I can't vacation with you. We're too yeah, because different. because I couldn't tell. And then, like like Beth said to me one night, you guys were all drinking, and Beth was with you because you know she has a life, and I'm asleep. <laughs> and someone made this suggestion: let's go wake Howard up and shake him out of bed. And Beth said, "Listen." Howard will kill you. No, I don't mean <laughs> yeah. figuratively. I mean literally will kill you. And she talked you guys okay. all out of it, which thank God. Listen, and, Beth uh, is no fool. Beth knows her customer, as she always says about you. She always says this about you. She goes, I know my customer. And I, I've always loved that phrase, and I've stolen it from her. And I yes. steal it from her now, and I use it when I work with actors. you got to know your customer. Yeah, as Beth said to me the other day, you're a lot. You're really a lot. <laughs> Um, listen, I know what you guys were doing up late at night. You were with your Illuminati all uh, hanging yeah. out and playing. Really, the were they worshipping the devil? Listen, to my audience, no bullshit. Oh, Emily God. Blunt, you know, she's so damn delightful and such a talented actress. But I am telling you, the movie, take it from your pal and you take it from Robin. A Quiet Place 2 is awesome. As awesome you, as the first you've one. You've done it because very That's rarely right. does a sequel, and you know this, sequels are hard. Yeah. And especially I, uh, with a movie like this. I called up Jimmy Kimmel. from the ending of the last movie, and sure. you guys did it. And I Thanks called up Jimmy you, Kimmel. Robin. I said, hey, Jimmy, um, 
listen, Emily's coming on my show. They're telling me I, I should watch Quiet Place too. Give me a heads up if you've seen it. <laughs> he goes, it's really good. You can watch it. So that's it. And so listen, that's, Jimmy is not one to be effusive about anything. And I've yeah. also heard that if you don't like the movie, you just don't talk about it on your show. So that's right. I he love you guys for saying that, and I appreciate it. it. So thank and you. And tell John, I, I'm so impressed with what he did with that film. And, and uh-huh. also as, as as both Tom Ryan and Jack Ryan, he was fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I believe, I'm going to make a prediction, the marriage will stay together. He came through in two movies now for you, and you are not angry with him. In fact, you're quite charmed by him. And for like sure. me... At 8 o'clock at night, I'm asleep. Emily is telling the truth. Uh, a quiet place is a perfect place for me. I loved it. I want to live in that reality. I don't want anybody making any noise, ever. <laughs> Those monsters um, would never you're, find you're, him. Yeah. You're terrific in the movie, as always. Thank and you, you did a great job. And thanks for spending so much time with us. Everybody, it Emily Blunt, awesome. remember, uh, Quiet Place, Part 2, opening Friday, May 28th. Thanks, Emily. Thanks, guys. Have a Love good day in Spain. Again. Give, give Beth a big hug for me, okay? I absolutely will. All right. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. There you go. Successful actress, beautiful woman. I tell you, when I... um, You're funny on vacation. That was hysterical. Everybody hates me on vacation. <laughs> I remember, I, 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 you know, Jimmy invited me to this thing. I don't go anywhere. And he said, why don't you come? Emily and Blunt and her husband will be there. You know, John uh, Krasinski. I go, oh, Okay. They're not going to have fun with me. He goes, no, 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 no. You should come. People think you're fun. <laughs> Jimmy's and, um, pulling his le- your leg. <laughs> but I have in my entire career, really, and I, I've been around a long time. I don't, I don't do well with people, and especially famous people. It's it just, it just never. It, it's people are very disappointed by me. And you know, I know every party needs a pooper, and I know the pooper is me. <laughs> And I was on a completely different schedule than them. Well, you know. when she said that she, you know, loves to study people, I was like, oh, I got to find out what she thought about. Oh, God. People people say to me when they go on vacation with me, they need a vacation from the vacation. <laughs> because I, I'm not in the groove with anybody. I get up. I got up at four in the morning and made myself breakfast. I'm in the habit. I would be I, I wake Beth up and we would go for a walk. At like six in the morning. Uh-huh. And these people, they don't wake up till. They're not even awake. No, they, they don't get their heart started till 10 or 11. And then they start <laughs> eating and I go fucking crazy because they're on breakfast. I want my lunch. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not happy. And they're not happy with me. And then the night comes and then dinner doesn't happen till eight o'clock. And I'm like, I need to go to bed. <laughs> I'm going to be up early. And then I, ru- I rush through dinner and I go, good night. And then I go to bed. <laughs> And they're just getting the night started with the drinking That's and the right. carrying they're on. They're just getting started. Who would want to go on vacation with me? I'm not built for fun. Fun Jimmy is not my middle it. name. Jimmy loves it. He's laughing Jimmy the whole it. time. <laughs> he's relaxed. He's uh, he's having a good time. You know Jimmy, but uh, he oh, likes he people. Oh, he hang, yeah. Yeah, but I remember sitting there, and I was sitting there, and Emily was with her husband, uh, uh, John. Tom. I, whatever his name is. And I said... <laughs> I said, maybe I should start a conversation with them. And I tried. Hey, Emily, what the... Oh, hello. And I could see. <laughs> I, I, I think she was freaked out by me. I don't know what it was. But, oh, my goodness. But maybe I was uptight because I think she's so gorgeous and she's so talented. And I'm like... And smart and, and smart, yeah. Yes. And I'm like, sometimes I wonder, you know, geez, uh, 
you know, what is her day like? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I would like to know. <sighs> I mean, her real day. You think she really likes The Rock that much? Well, she's certainly convincing when she says mm. what she said. And I do mm. love him in Jumanji. There's some things that he's done that would lead you to believe there's more to The Rock than smelling what The Rock is cooking. Right. Yeah. So I see that. Yeah, we used to have him on the show when he was a wrestler. Um, yeah. That- but now I, I see he became, you know, a movie star. You don't want to do my show. And I'm like, eh, fuck him. I'm mad at him. Yeah, I, I'm, the not show. A, I'm not happy that he doesn't do the show anymore. Yeah, now he's a big star. Time for payback. Come on in. Yeah. Right, Gary, Gary, tell me he's coming in and I'll be a happy man. I wish I could tell you he's coming in, but I do have to tell you how he got on the show the first time. I don't know if you remember. We didn't even book him. Right. Elephant Boy said, can I play, please bring in a wrestler friend? Are you that's kidding? How he, yeah. <laughs> So, so good to, to, uh, to the rock. Dwayne Johnson. Oh, okay. Bring him in. My wow. Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, I mean, dude. Who, you know, I had you in with Elephant Boy. Don't it? Maybe that's what it is. Like, I'm a reminder. Yeah. We remind him of a time in his life that wasn't yeah. going so Wasn't well. so good. You know what? <laughs> I can't be angry about that. No. I get it. It's like, you know, I want to come in, but every time I have flashbacks, I have PTSD. I remember being there with Elephant Boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, I wouldn't come here either. But, uh, yeah, I did. I, I watched the movie and I went, oh, shit, this is a really good movie. And, it's uh, great. I really, you know, I sat down and I said, okay, this is the sequel of a movie I loved. Because it's so unique. It was so great and so unique. I couldn't watch the ripoffs of it, like Bird Box or whatever they call that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't even watch those. I was like, no, this is something he created in his own mind and stop trying to rip it off because he did a great you know job. It's incredible. You know, I'm sure you caught this as well, but she doesn't call him The Rock. She calls him DJ. I know. Yes, I yeah. heard that. DJ. I, I might stay. I, you know what I say about DJ? You know what I say about RQ? <laughs> NHS. Thank you. That's a great executive name. Uh, excuse me, HS. <laughs> what What's should we be like, doing? My name's Howard. Like Dwayne Johnson's like The Rock. He's DJ. It's like, what the fuck do I call you, dude? I know. He's got too many nicknames. Right. Like if you're who gets to call him DJ, who calls him The Rock, and who calls him Dwayne Johnson? Anyway, I love that girl, Emily Blunt. She's yeah, delightful. I'm delightful. Yeah. And boy is she so good in the sequel. Oh my goodness. I'm enamored. Hey Jim, you have the last word and then Rob and I have to go. We have very important meetings. Hey now. I have to hey go now. to sleep. Yes. <laughs> Who, who's it's your go to? Blunt or Ratajowski? <laughs> Say again. Who's your go to? Blunt or Ratajowski? Hmm. Are you talking relationship or a one nighter? One nighter. Blunt. Two seconds. Boom. Are you kidding? <laughs> You're going to have a relationship with Ratajowski? <laughs> uh, you never know. Hey, maybe she's deep. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, I remember seeing her in the um, in that video with uh, 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 Robin Thicke. Robin Thicke. Thick. And she was dancing around. She's completely naked except for some sneakers on. And I said, there might be more to this girl than I know. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah? Uh, I wonder what she thinks of is what you were saying to yourself. No, I mean, Emily Blunt's the full package. I mean, this girl's a professional monster. She can act her ass off, and she's super good looking and... Like, oh, come on. Are you kidding? There's no comparison. Right? I mean, yeah, okay. Does Radajowski have a great body and blah, blah, blah? Yeah, but I can't even imagine the headache she is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Bye. Thanks, guys. Thanks. I mean, I've, I've gone out with a couple of beautiful women, but and some of them were great, and some of them were a big headache. And I'm sure I'm a headache. So, you know, I'm, I'm just happy with my Beth. Believe me, I absolutely. Mm-hmm. There ain't too many women can put up with me. But she's a saint. I've said she is. She is. <laughs> a million times. I am madly in love with her. You love a saint. I, I'm happy. I'm a happy man. But uh, anyway, what are we talking about anymore? Let's let's call it a day. We'll get back together tomorrow. We got a ton of stuff to get to. And uh, there's a whole nother show tomorrow, Robin. Stop it. That's right. Yeah. Well, Robin wants to sit here all day. We have I have things to do too. I'll you know, be I, sitting here until you come back. <laughs> I have a feeling. <laughs> That's what I that. do. <laughs> yeah, the other week there it was a weekend I came down and I just was checking the equipment to get ready for Monday and I saw Robin was in front of the camera and I go, What are you doing? She goes, I've been sitting here since our show Wednesday. Um, <laughs> I love being on the air. That's there right. There you go. That's what you don't know about her. Super into it. Um, for those of you on the phone, I apologize. I'll get to you tomorrow. Please call back. Uh, I know it's just been a busy morning and, uh, and, uh, and yes, we will look for hand job, Connie, but don't, you know, we're on it just so you know, Yeah, it That's might take way. a while. Don't expect her to show up tomorrow because, uh, you know, who knows where she is at this point. Go on the app and look up Cheap Trick. We just uh, got that uh, on there, too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the search is on for Handjob Connie, and we'll see you tomorrow.